everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Max The Rock. Max is a personal trainer running his personal training business called Max The Rock Fitness at a free fitness gym in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. This was a phenomenal conversation going to fitness, nutrition, and just overall health and great exercise to do to get in better shape. Thank you for all joining the show and hope you all enjoy it. Thank you. COVID, COVID free is humanly possible. Yeah. And are you going to dress like Borat or? Uh, let's see how that goes. Oh man. Yeah. I heard it. I heard it's really funny. I heard it hurts holds pretty good. Yeah. I've heard it's pretty good. Considering the first Borat was 14 years ago. Yeah. The fact that you're trying to like keep up with something that long ago, it's pretty impressive. So. Well, it's pretty impressive how one, he holds it, how what balls he is going to yeah. certain places in the States. And also how stupid some people are that they still don't know who he is <laughs> yeah uh, and may- maybe uh, just on a day you're busy and you're maybe tiny, and maybe you would confuse him for some you know, so who knows <laughs> but yeah what's uh what's your name and just uh, tell us what you're about where you're from so my name is max Larock. i am the owner of maximum fit strength and conditioning i've been a personal trainer for almost 11 years now so february will be the 11th year in the industry i spent five years working out of a box gym i'm not sure if i want to say the name or not so i'll keep it that way uh, it's a big box gym. It's got my first five years there, building a hotel, um, getting experience under my belt because that's what it comes down to is hours in the gym, right? Like nobody becomes a good personal trainer without spending thousands of hours on vacations, your schooling. Uh, I've met physios over the year who, again, have six years of schooling. You know how to teach about strength. So experience is dentistry. So make sure if you are looking for a personal trainer or a strength coach, Get someone who's been in the industry for a while, because even if they have a big flashy Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be, I have a clue. Exactly. Just be what would be like the recommended, uh, if something, what would they take with obviously having experience like being in the field or apprenticing under someone? So this, there's a lot of different directions you can go in. Um, I personally actually have pretty much the most bare bones certification that you can get. It's called Canfit Pro. It's legitimately a two week course that essentially just gives you insurance to legally train people. Um, by no means that I go into that course, walk out of there two weeks later and be like, oh, I know everything. Like, absolutely not. Be completely honest with people. Like, it's just a certification that legally allows you to train people. Um, since then, I've gone on to do PTA Global. I've done my NCCP, which is the National Coaching Certification. Um, I've worked, I had a personal trainer for five years who ended up being my coach. I competed in the Olympic weightlifting for a few years and then I just didn't have the time to train properly, so I ended up getting more into the coaching aspect of it. And then I actually spent about a month in China last year, right before COVID actually hit. I Thankfully, I got out of there when I did, because I was there from December 5th to 27th, and two weeks of it, I was actually living in a weightlifting camp. So I was living in a weightlifting compound in China, so just seeing what it's like to be truly immersed in weightlifting. And how was that? I was 
fucking pretty crazy. <laughs> Not gonna lie to you. Uh, so in China, it's their national sport. So I mean, it's the equivalent of us with hockey. Obviously, they're pretty crazy about it. Uh, but China is just next level, right? Like it's. Is it like um, I forget the what's uh, I forget the guy's name Matt Frazier, the crazy CrossFit. Yeah. He always wins, and his life's basically centered around training. 100%. I think yeah. one because I think he makes much money from sponsorships, and rightfully so. He's yeah. very just dedicated and just a freak. But I imagine it's like that, but put a million times in China where they're probably said just training, eat, sleep, repeat. Yeah, so what we were doing, I was there for the two weeks in camp, so we trained twice a day, so you'd have your morning session from nine till 12, so basically you wake up, you have your breakfast at the hotel that we were staying at, which we were supposed to be within the condominium at first, but then like a week before we got there, I guess the, the water wind. Really? So like, fuck, we don't want all these like, Western people coming over and having things go to shit, so they put us in a nice hotel, which was actually like a nice upgrade because we weren't supposed to be in that hotel, so you'd have breakfast there, go train from nine till 12, have lunch at the compound so you'd have lunch with all the different uh students there so at our compound there was judo um kickboxing greco wrestling and then weightlifting and even just again it's china so everything's crazy like you could pretty much look at the people and know which sport they were in right because they pick you based off of your your leverages right like they're not going to pick a kickboxer who's five foot two Right? Yeah. Because if you can kick me from seven feet away and I can only kick you from three feet away, like, well, in the long run, I'm probably going to get my ass kicked. So they, it goes to show just how intense they are over there in terms of how they select everyone, right? And obviously in North America, it's very much like, go do whatever you want. Like, yeah. you're seven foot tall, but you want to be a weightlifter? Sure. Yeah. Makes no fucking sense, but <laughs> sure. Whereas there, it's like, no, no, no. Like, this is the sport you're built for. This is what you're going to do. So, obviously, when you take that many people too, like the filtration system is pretty crazy. So, the camp we were at it was technically called Ma Strength Weightlifting Camp. Okay. Uh, the camp we were at, there was between, there were, the kids ranged from 15 to 21, was the oldest, I believe. And, like, one of the girls, she is second in all of China in the 64 kilo weight class for the women's. And I follow a lot, like I follow every weightlifter you can yeah, imagine. 100, 135, 130 pounds? Yeah, 64 kilos, yeah, she's right around 135 pounds. And so she was second in all of China, and I've never heard of this girl in my entire life, because the girl that's first in all of China is just leaps and bounds ahead of this girl. So even though she was second in all of China, and pretty much anywhere in the world, she would be the best weightlifter there, she was a fucking nobody there. Jeez. And it's just crazy because, again, it's just when you take a billion people, whatever it is, then you filter it down to 500 million, filter it down to 10 million, a million, thousand, 500, like you're going to get those absolute perfect genetics, right? Perfect levels yeah. of testosterone, recovery, just freak of nature genetics. And that's what they take and they run with it, right? Well, yeah, they definitely have the numbers. So the exactly. solution, they have when they just have the, that advantage and for well, it's not unfortunate that we don't so i guess we're just good at the, the winter sports anyways i'm not yeah. sure why we show up the summer sun the summer big sometimes it's true but uh but yeah like uh, so there's like certain people um have you heard of like, the name does sound familiar so yes. he was a uh, football player out of shirt park okay oh and he's in the states right now yeah yeah, yeah okay. I think he was like I think he ran like the i think he was like the third fastest Either in Canada, either Canada, North America, I can't remember. Yeah. And don't call me this. Soon we're gonna have Google so we can yeah, fact yeah. check. But uh, <laughs> he's like the third fastest first age group in the world, or in Canada for the hundred meter dash, like ten point something seconds. He played running back. Yeah. And I saw like just 
guys about to tackle, perfect angle, like, but he outran it. He was so quick. Now he's five-star recruit in the United States, which is very unheard of. Unheard of for football. Yeah. And then, uh, have you seen Mike Tyson recently? Uh, no, I heard he was training for a fight, wasn't he? Him and um, Roy Jones Jr. Yeah, they're doing a, are they actually doing a fight? Yeah, I think okay. in November. And, and yeah, Mike Tyson, before he started training, he, just never, he never weightlifted because he said stoked his ego too much. And then now he's just jacked. I think he is as powerful and as fast as when he was fighting back in the he was 80s, 90s. He was a scary man back yeah. then. Yeah. He was a very scary man back then. He still is, but he was next level when he was at the top. Yeah, so some people, you know, they have the, the, the built-in built genetics and yeah. they're built for certain sports. And like some people are built lifting or skiing or like Michael Phelps or swimming. Yeah. And you just got to roll with it. Yeah, and you do. And that's the thing too is like they definitely took a very like we either – Break you, or you become a world record holder. Hundred percent. Right? And again, you filter from that such a high number. Like it just takes that perfect genetic compound to do it, right? Yeah. And uh, what did you take away from uh, besides uh, China just being just freaking weightlifting and just uh, certain disciplines? What was some of your takeaways, and what did you kind of adopt into your practice? Just the specificity of everything they do, right? Like they take a very different approach than we do in North America. Like a lot of North America, especially in terms of weightlifting, because it's really not a popular sport at all in Canada. Like I'm not, I'm not huge into CrossFit by any means, but the biggest thing that CrossFit has done for North America is brought weightlifting into even, I guess I can just say consideration again. Like cultural norms type of thing? Yeah, because before you would never see it in Canada, right? Like you either... You, you go to the gym, but you play hockey and football and this and that. And like, this is an Olympic level sport. It's a very like world renowned sport, but you just don't see it in North America. Mm-hmm. So a couple of reasons why is it's one of the hardest sports you can get into, like in terms of this, the discipline behind it, what it's going to do to your body, uh, the mental fortitude it takes to do that sport, because it's very much like you can have the best day of your life in the gym the next day you can have the worst day of your life. Yeah. And that definitely fucks with people's heads. And truthfully, we're all pretty fucking soft in North America. And we well, I know like in Russia, they're just, and like Russia's beast too. And- yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's always kind of been over the years, like it's always been sort of China versus Soviet Union in that sense from a weightlifting standpoint. Um, I don't know if you've seen Icarus. I don't know, not yet. No. So you should watch the documentary, it's wicked. Uh, it, it, it's pretty cool because the documentary itself isn't actually about weightlifting in any sense. Uh, basically, this guy, he's going to be doing this race. It's not the Tour de France, but it's something similar. Wait, wait, okay, yeah, yeah, it's now, now I remember. Yeah, and he uh, contacts the Russian doctor. Yes. Yeah, okay. And then, so that's how the whole shitstorm of, like, Russia being banned from everything and all the doping that's been uncovered in the last four years. So that all stemmed because of that documentary, which was pretty fucking cool because it wasn't even about that. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I mean, the biggest thing with China was just like the, the the technical perfection of what they do, right? Like they they could care less how strong you are because if you move like shit, you're not going to get far in this world. Yeah. Now with North America, again, for the most people, like for the most part, people that I work with, they're all super strong, right? So they can squat a lot of weight, deadlift a lot of weight, pick up a lot of weight, but they move very poorly. Yeah. And it's extremely difficult to coach someone who's strong to move properly. So China's aspect or approach with it is that we get them at the age of like whatever let's say five or six and we do technical work for three to four years. So you don't do any actual resistance training or weightlifting for the first three to four years. So all they're doing is they're focusing on the movement pattern and the technical aspect. 
once you a kids pick up on anything just so much quicker, right? Kids are like a sponge. So you're not having to break old movement patterns because you're teaching these kids how to squat, how to lift, how to press, how to do everything properly from a young age so that when they start to hit their puberty, right? They're 12, 13, 14 years old. Now we just get strong, right? They already move perfectly. Now we just get them strong. North America is very much the opposite of like, let's get them strong and then work on their mo- their movement patterns, which to me makes zero sense. Yeah. Like anyone that I work with, like if you've come, to, if you come to see me and you've never worked out in your life, I'm like fucking perfect. Like, <laughs> you will be so much easier to train and coach yeah. than somebody who's done. And I always say this, that if you've done 10,000 shitty squats, we need to do 10,000 perfect squats just to get you back to level. And now we can actually work on progressing you in a positive direction and actually getting stronger because we had to do those 10,000 proper squats to fix your 10,000 shit squats that you've done. Yeah. It's like outside coaching the, uh, the guy who thinks he knows everything on the team or the all-star exactly. coach or versus maybe the hungry rookie who needs to make the team and yeah. will, will do anything the coach says because he wants to be there. Exactly. And, and, and I'm not sure about your fitness training. I'd love to hear how you kind of got into fitness, but uh, for me, like when I got into it, um, I was fortunate enough that my um, good friend's father, he used to be a bodybuilder back in the day, and he got, I think, I want to say first maybe in Alberta or third in Alberta for bodybuilding, and he was uh, just getting back from the gym himself, and so he, I was fortunate enough to, for him to teach me the, the proper basics, and yeah. you know, bench, like shoulder press, and squat, and he always told me focus on the movement and don't worry about the weight, it'll come. And yeah, which is huge, and that's the hard, like if I can get that through to anybody, like especially from a younger age, like just do it fucking right. Like yeah. coming from someone who's now 30, and so I started working on the gym when I was 14. I started training for my hockey back in the day. So I played bad triple A that year. And we basically, we all trained at a gym called Athletes Nation. So we trained as a group. And- Was that in St. Albert? That is in St. Yeah. Albert, yeah. So they're quite a renowned gym. They've been around for a long time. They train a lot of NHL guys. Now, the only thing with the group aspect is that a lot of technical flaws don't get corrected. Right, because if there's 12, 14 kids working out, well, if I'm over in the corner doing my exercise and it's not perfect, well, if I'm watching this person, they're not gonna know, right? Yeah. So that's where it's tough, especially from a young age, because it just takes the couple few reps done wrong to hurt yourself or whatever it may be. But the biggest thing is like, just don't lift for your ego, mm-hmm. which especially in this day and age, because of Instagram and social media, right? It's like, well, I watched, yeah, I watched this 14 year old kid from the States deadlift 400 pounds. Like I need to do that. And it's like, oh, fuck, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know the entire backstory of that. Like you don't know what this kid's done right. Do you even know what's 400 pounds? Yeah. There is fake plates. There's all kinds of stuff that the eye doesn't see on social media. That is extremely important because if you try to compare yourself to so and so, you're probably gonna hurt yourself. hundred percent, yeah. And certain people, again, they have certain genetics, exactly, uh, which they able to lift a ton of weight. Or, yes, especially if you're not. I think if you're not for specific, like for maybe say uh, a job you need to be physically fit for, yeah. or maybe a career you need to be physically strong for, doing uh, maybe moving like the deadlift may not even be needed in the gym because exactly. I, I, I think you just, people can get hurt a lot because you don't. It's so easy to move incorrectly during yeah. the movement. And I think one of my friends, he was working at, um, it was a, a, a retail, it be retail gym, commercial gym. Yeah. Uh, it's across Canada. And I think the trainer thought he could do a certain weight. I'm not sure. This is my friend's story, I guess, that side of the story. And uh, I think apparently just tore a whole bunch of muscles in his back trying to lift the heavy weight. And 
And then I think it's been like years and we go to the gym together and I was fortunate enough, I, I had a personal trainer for about a year yeah. who uh, played football, had a key, his kidney, kidney nice. his kidney degree, I can't even say the word, his, <laughs> his kidney degree. And he was very technical and his programs were like, I enjoyed it. And so I'm like, I'll do some deadlift states back then. He was just like, you know what, my back's still sore. So he still had that kind of fear and he can just ruin someone's potential on fitness training. Totally. It's like a PTSD almost in that yeah. sense, right? Like if you have an injuries, everyone's going to come across an injury in their career, regardless of whether they're working out or not. It's just obviously the extent of it. And if you can get over it, because it's huge. Because a lot of people like said, especially the deadlift or a squat, oh fuck, I can't squat because I hurt my back the one time doing it. It's like, okay, well, if you hurt your back bending over to put tie up your fucking shoes, like, you never gonna put your shoes on again. Yeah, I guess you need to get over it too. And I mean, again, easier said than done. But more often than not, anyone who does hurt themselves, especially in the gym, they probably did it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, I've been in the gym since I was fourteen, so I'm coming up on sixteen years now. And it's like I really don't have sympathy from people who hurt themselves in the gym because it's like if you don't know, ask. Right? And I know personal training gets a bit of a bad rep sometimes. Like, oh, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. Well, it's education, though. Yeah, education is expensive. I think like, I, I think it should be almost mandatory, at least for maybe one to two sessions. Nothing crazy. It should. When you sign for a gym and maybe you have zero gym experience, um, yeah, you should go through a movement assessment see if you want to do weights properly. Because at the end of the day, if you have a gym, you get hurt, you could ruin it. And then you never want to go back. Yeah, it, or maybe a potential gym could could be liable depending on what you're doing there, and because you thought it was safe to do because you saw them. Facebook or Instagram, people doing those, what was those, those big meta exercise balls, yeah, squats yeah. with the bar- barbell, yeah. like, don't try, don't do that. Like, in what, like, in what uh, reality are you going to have to be able to bounce on something round while squatting never yeah. in your life? Well, that's the, the funny part with, like, the BOSU balls you're talking about, right? Yeah. The half stability ball, which yeah. cool. it's good for balance. Fuck, do you ever walk outside? and the ground is all of a sudden uneven and moving on you. Like, you're way better off doing some sort of single leg deadlift or a single leg squat or anything much, much, much more simple. And and that's the hard part, again, with social media is that everyone wants to try and reinvent the wheel of fitness, right? Because it gets views, it gets likes, and it gets attention, right? But nine or 10 people can't do the most basic movements properly, right? But again, it's, oh, it gets boring if you do that. Well, it also gets you fucking results and it keeps you safe. And the biggest thing with weight or uh, just fitness in general, like you said, like with the social media, it's just consistency. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you go hard for one week and then you stop for a week. Like you're not going to progress if you go hard one week and then week off, hard one week, one week off. Like you're never going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're better off doing twice a week full body movements, simple movements. Yeah. But just continuously doing that over time, yeah, it'll be more gradual. But you will lose the weight or put on the weight, put on the strength, whatever your goals are. Exactly, and my recommendation is, I think uh, in my, out of my friend group previous to, I guess the one I'm currently with, the people I hang out with now, I was the first one who got into fitness. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I like to touch on maybe sometimes the, the negative side effects when you first get into uh, fitness, because I know sometimes you can't get to um, being too health conscious, but um, every time someone asks me what to do, I think as I kind of matured into weightlifting, kind of did more research myself, I said, don't take any supplements at all for like the first at least three months. Yeah. You just try to just focus on eating healthy. Don't try to focus on the amount of meals. Try to focus on eating healthy. And then try to maybe work out maybe say like three times a week. Three times a week is a great start. And, and then from there, if you need to use supplements, then incorporate it. And my brother, um, when I first started working out, I 
I was on the supplements. I really tried to try to do the same fitness, the like same workouts, same supplements, and he went from like zero to hundred. So he went from not doing anything to everything all at once, and he got terribly sick. Yep. And yeah, so each body can handle it. So I think that's super important just to ease into it, and then also I think it's important to find out what you like in the gym. What yes will make it fun for yourself. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's lots of options nowadays, whether it be group X classes, individual training, online training, whatever it may be. There is so many different options out there. It's just finding what works. Because again, whether you're doing Zumba or not, if you're doing Zumba for a year straight, three days a week, because you enjoy it, you'll get results. Mm -hmm. It's the same as if you do an individual three times a week, but it's just about doing it consistently. Yeah, consistency is the biggest key. And like the hardest part, especially when you go from zero to 100, you're not going to stick to it. Yeah. Right? Like it's... Just, Simple fact, there's not one person that goes in the gym who's never been in a gym before, and then, like you said, jumps up, I'm gonna do five days a week, and I'm gonna eat this, nothing but chicken and broccoli, and then I'm gonna take these supplements, and this and that, and it's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Right, like, developing patterns is hard. Uh, I'm reading a book right now, it's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and he talks a lot about conditioned thinking, and it's the same thing, you need to train your mind to get to a point where you enjoy it too, right? Like, it's like anything, if you've been depressed for the last 10 years and you read one motivational book and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not depressed anymore. I'm happy. And it's yeah. like, don't work that way. Your brain has thought you're depressed for the last 10 years. Like it's kind of like the 10,000 deadlifts analogy, right? And 10,000 street deadlifts, we've got 10,000 proper ones to get you there. It's been 10 years of you hating your life and being depressed. Well, it's going to take five and 10 years to get you to a level state before we can get you truly like happy or aware or present, whatever you want to look at it as. Exactly. I think with the Instagram, social media, I'm not sure if you have you uh, watched recently the social dilemma on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it I, I, was I, alarming. <laughs> yeah, and then I recently saw the guy, I think his name is, was it Travis or Harris or, I forget his name, but something Harris, I believe, with uh, the main character, the main narrator in the social dilemma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apologize if I got the name incorrect. I think I did, but. Um, I just saw, saw him on a podcast, actually on Joe Rogan's podcast, talking about it more in depth. And yeah, just this like almost uh, keeping up with the Joneses culture. You just, you think you're doing well, but then you see someone who's either maybe on steroids or maybe just looks good in that, that lighting or was pro or maybe in, has been in fitness for the past 12 years and has been consistent. Yeah. And you think, well, I'm shitty. I can't do it. Well, it's you're just not looking at where you where you started. And I, yeah, I actually I call it comparitis, and it's like exactly we live our whole life comparing myself, right? So same thing. If you compare yourself, it's if, it's, if I've been in the, year, in the gym for six months and I'm comparing myself to the guy who's been in the gym for the last fourteen years, and I'm exactly like you said, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'm not as fit as him, and he gets results easier than I do. And it's like, no, he's been in the gym for fourteen years, like you yeah. know. You need to put in 14 years of you doing this consistently, go talk to that guy. Mm -hmm. And I bet you you'll be in a pretty fucking similar place. Yeah. Right? But again, people don't see that because in social media it's the highlight reel, right? Like they see the best part of your day or the best lighting for your physique, the best filter for your physique. Right? So even the social dilemma brings up like even just the child suicide rate from whenever his girls like 12 to 16 years old is up like 170% yeah. or something. Like that's disgusting. But again, like he talked about in the documentary where they like their girls are going into plastic surgeons and saying they want to look like the Snapchat filter. It's like, well, fuck, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, a, in a year, you're only 12 years old. Like in a year, you're going to look completely different. Yeah. So like, it's sad, but it's the reality. Yeah. And I mean, the documentary touches on it, but I don't think it's going to get any better. No. Which is 
even if they add that data tax or whatever they're talking about, like I don't see it getting better because it's just too easy and it's too accessible, right? From a business standpoint, no business that's really successful on social media is going to back off that. No. Right? I don't care what they say. Like, if I had a data tax that you want, if I'm making $10 million a year in my social media account, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Hundred percent, and I think a lot of us, myself included, I love to convene. So sometimes going on my social media or on Instagram, and sometimes they do have those ads that oh, I've been looking for this, um, even though my phone's listening to me all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. So that is the, this is the positive side of it, like the social media too, from the business standpoint, right? Like me, can go on a Facebook Live right now, and talk to a hundred people. One person could share it, then a thousand people see it. 10 people share it on that, 100,000 people see it, right? Where before, if I wanted to go talk to somebody or try and preach about whatever I'm doing, right, I'd need to get invited to a conference or I have to pay to go to a conference, do everything like that. Whereas now I can just come on here and talk and spread your message. Yeah, 100%. Do you think um, with the, I guess, uh, I was the compare itis culture now, because uh, I noticed in some of these bigger gyms um, that are like, where you're, um, I don't want to name any names, but I'll just say World Health, for example, because prominent during the gym movement now, or CloFit, whatever name they have currently. I know, like, I think they don't allow chalk and dropping weights. And do you think that is potentially because they don't want certain lifters to discourage maybe new members? Or why do you think that there is, or do some maybe private gyms where you can basically have shock and sometimes even the guys can go tarp with because they're working aggressively or... So back when I was with the box gyms, their only reasoning behind was that that specific culture. Okay. Which truthfully is bullshit because especially back when I was there, it was full of juice heads and like big old juice monkeys, like yeah. massive steroid dudes. And a lot of them were assholes. Don't get me wrong, there were some nice guys there too, but a lot of them were assholes. And it's like, okay, so that's what, that's the culture that you want, but you don't want people here to come and do CrossFit or weightlifting or anything like that. That truthfully takes a lot less ego in bodybuilding. Right? Yeah. Bodybuilding is the most work in the world. You literally stand on the stage comparing yourself to the next person. Like, what right is, like, <laughs> that's what bodybuilding is. So, I don't know, back in the day, we, it's the same thing, we didn't allow chopping the weights. And it really sat more I was going to stand up for it. was like, again, you realize, A, that when it comes to dropping weights, especially with weightlifting, the reason you do it is because it's safer to drop the weight than to catch it. Right? Yeah. The entire movement is to get as much vertical force on the bar as possible. So if you think about it, if you watch somebody snatch 300 pounds, there's no polite way to get 300 over your head and then safely and quietly bring that back oh, down. Oh, you break your shoulders. Exactly, right? So that's why we drop the weights. So it's definitely a bit of like a misconception of like, oh, they're just dropping the weights for attention. It's like, fuck no, like you try and get 300 pounds over your head and then you show me or tell me how, how easily it was to lower that 300 pounds from over your head. Exactly. Uh, I mean, definitely a lot of the gyms are starting to make that change. And part of it is because CrossFit is becoming more popular and just over the years has become quite huge. I don't really know what the whole issue with CrossFit is right now. Like I know back when their CEO made some dumb comments via social media, they got rid of him. So I think CrossFit is in a better place now than they were for a period of time there. Um, I know they just had the CrossFit Games last weekend and Matt Frazier won, I think, the fifth time in a row. Jeez. That's a freak of nature. But. I don't know if he, when he's going to stop, probably when he gets second place and retire. If he ever does. <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible, and yeah, and I think potentially why maybe CrossFit isn't made, well, I guess, in most gyms, I think 
I guess going back to if you're not doing it correctly, it is super, um, I think it's super dangerous to the average person because you're doing, well, basically speed Olympic lifts, which are done basically not a, not a speed-wise, but forceful, because you're only doing it once, you're doing a snatch, you're just snatch, snatch. Exactly, and as someone who coaches weightlifting, my biggest issue with CrossFit is the fact that you're trying to take these extremely high-level technical movements, like gymnastics, like weightlifting, and you're trying to do them for speed under fatigue, right? Like, you can make someone do a hard workout and a circuit-style workout, and they'll get just as much out of it they'll be much safer with a lot different exercise selection than what they with, right? Like, especially, again, you look at the snatch and the clean jerk. That's, like, two of the most fucking technical movements you can literally do in the gym. No need for average people under the end for time. Like, that's my biggest issue with CrossFit. Otherwise, it's great. Awesome. Everyone who does it loves it. Um, that's my big concern is, again, doing all the movements, and it's kind of saying it was a thing trade. Yeah. <laughs> like to be honest, unless you spent like the reason I actually watched a YouTube Frazier um, and it's a guy named Zander who's a coach out of the States and he's talking about why Matt Frazier is the best crossfitter of all time. It's because he has the foundation of weightlifting, right? He's done his 10,000 hours of technical work. Mm-hmm. So when he gets tired, his body reverts back to proper movement patterns, right? If you haven't spent that 10,000 finder, you're not gonna revert back to that when you get no. tired. When you get tired, you get fucky, and that's you're gonna, right? So again, if you're taking these extremely level freak show athletes, watch them, you're wrong. I watch the CrossFit Games, do I end it? Especially to the average Joe? Yes. I'm the, uh, my start kind of with uh, basic movements, and then when I and then I'll call a try to put me not really playing football for about three years. How old so I am currently 26. When I tried out, I think I was 21, so it was my I played levels, I was in a different position, I've not playing football for yeah. many years, and in my time, he uh, played football himself, kinesiology degree, personal training business, so um, ran, he ran in his own business at the gym, so I knew he was uh, a good guy. I thought like, the trainers would be just a lot of like, movement and just learning, but I almost did zero bodybuilding. Um, my more touch the weights was half an hour, so I did full static, dynamic, like lunges, circles, and made some slices, and maybe deadlift or bench, or, or uh, yeah. and then they you know, uh, like maybe muscle group that was told me then that thing I had to be able to move in all the directions. It was just a hard work on it wasn't kind of like, Yeah, and it's really it's tough because time, they never do motion. The issue with that being say squats and you're not bottoming out, you're not gonna touch the it's great, right? A lot of blood flow in the legs are gonna bring home, right? As an athlete, if you have full stride and your Achilles or your move through a full range squatting kinda of like this, right? Well what happens to your fullest extent? Yeah, ribs, right? You get a muscle tear, muscle strain, sprain, whatever it may be. So it's really important to go through the full range of motion and whether, again, you don't need to go heavy. That's the biggest misconception. Like, I need to go heavy to get stronger. Range of motion, you're not really getting stronger through all ranges. You're only getting stronger through the end range. Again, as an athlete, you don't need the end range. You're spending the full and going in and out of the full range. That really maximal velocity. 100%. And I think I, I work mine as a percentage, so I think I would have like. Yeah. If I was lifting heavy, well, my max at least. I think I, um, like for my body type, I think I'm, I'm able to lift pretty heavy. I think I did. I don't like to, I don't like to talk like about my my stats. But I feel like I'm bragging, but I think I did like for five easy reps, 95 pound dumbbell rows, like just no problem. Yeah. Um, but like for me, for like especially deadlifts and squats, and I do about before I even like touch my working set, I do about three to four. Weeks. And then warm up is super. It's not necessarily just. Lightweight doing 30 reps, it's maybe doing like temp, say 
let's go shoulder press. Are you doing grab twenty pound dumbbells? Do a couple reps. Yeah. And grab thirties. Do a couple more reps. Yeah. And progressively up to it. And then and then then your muscle is not fatigued. It's primed. And then you're able to lift heavy. And then then you're then you're less at risk if you lift properly to get injured. At least. That's all I found my yeah. style. And a common thing too is, is the proper periodization. And that's what a lot of people behind me don't yeah. see, right? So a process we do as trainers, we go through periodization. Periodization is essentially your roadmap to getting you to where you want to be. So if your goal is to lose 10 pounds, gain pounds, whatever it may be, you got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. right? Progressive overload is extremely important. Obviously the biggest thing is for your tendons and your ligaments, right? So say you're a strong dude, but you've been out of the gym for the last two years. You still, gain, yeah, you still have some of that strength and reserve. That's all fine and your muscles can handle the load, but if your tendons can't handle that load, that's when you start developing tendonitis, tendinopathy, things like that. So lingering little things in your elbows or your knees that again, yeah, I'm stronger and I can move more weight, but my tendons aren't ready for that load. So say you want to work at 70% for the next month. Is it exciting? No. But in a month when you're now used to that type of load, then we can start going heavier and heavier and keeping it safe. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's kind of the uh, kind of style or type of program we do for the clients you train. Yes, yeah, periodization is huge for that, especially with weightlifting because it's it's a very common like I talked about where a lot of people in North America are really strong but they move really poorly. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. I get these younger guys who come in. And it's like I can clean her two hundred fifty pounds, and it's like cool, but A, it looks like shit. B, like your body cannot handle that. Yeah, you're strong enough. Tendon ligaments can't handle that load. The hard part is controlling, especially the younger populations. Yeah. Where it's like, again, trust me, a lot of what I've learned over the last sixteen years has come from trial—not this is trial and error, but the yeah, I guess trial and error, right? And like the last four years, I was doing physio three times a week, mm -hmm. right? Because I was the kid who I'm hypermobile, so I have extremely mobile shoulders, hips, knees, which from a weightlifting standpoint is actually fucking terrible. <laughs> Because yeah. you can end up in positions that you shouldn't be in because you're so flexible. It's like, oh, well, oh, that's perfect. I can go overhead like this because like my shoulder can handle it. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but that's not good. Like, that's going to end up causing issues down the road, which it did, right? Like I said, I've been in the last four years just physio on physio on physio. And so that's why I'm so adamant now where A, it's like from day one, we move properly and we load properly mm -hmm. because especially with shoulders, if you've ever had any sort of shoulder injury or fucking pain in the ass, to work through because there's just so many tendons and ligaments and everything in your shoulder that it could be a hundred different things. Yeah. And again, so much of it is based off load. So yeah, I'm a strong dude. I can shoulder press a lot of weight, but if my tendon couldn't handle that load and I just kept pressing on through it, oh, that gets aggravated and then I can't lift it and everything like that, right? And it's just, it's a major pain in the ass. Yeah. is not fun. So no. if you can avoid it, <laughs> just train smart. Yeah, uh, that's my problem because well, one, uh, when I trained for football, I was, was five, six years ago. So then I was training consistent more consistently back then. So now I went back to lift again. I'm like, well, I, I for sure, I didn't know I could have deadlifted this weight or bench this weight. And, yeah, I did it again, but maybe hurt a bit more this time. Yeah, because I, again, I've been out of the gym for so long during COVID, and yeah, for me right now, I think definitely, I think both my shoulders are injured. I had a, this when my right shoulder, I had a partial torn repeater cuff. Um, I think it was nineteen, so I was just trying to chuck a football as yeah, far yeah. as I could. And this one, <laughs> just not sure what happened. Just tweaked it somehow, and still gives me issues. But now, like when I do some movements with this shoulder. Have some uh, clicking and this one has some clicking, so I'm doing just in between sets a lot of just band work my yeah. shoulders, just 
getting it worked on, loosened up, and it is a pain. It's a pain, and I don't know what you've dealt with in terms of physio. The only thing that helped me was getting IMS or dry needling. I think it's it kind of like acupuncture. Yeah, when the needles are charged. So basically, the oh, yeah. very layman's terms of that would be like basically it causes the muscle to fire or start to like to fire so that it fully yeah. resets. So my thing was I was working with physios, and then finally I worked with this one who was pretty big in the dry needling. My master name's Kayla Newman. She's actually a uh, physiotherapist at our gym downtown, and. She's like, you're doing all the right exercises. So you're doing your internal external rotation, your abduction, all that stuff. But the muscle, just from so much overuse over the years, is just so tight that it won't release. So basically, the IMS goes in, it hits the muscle, and it causes it to fully contract, but then it releases. And I remember being the gym the first time I had it, and I was like, holy fuck, my shoulder is worse. Like, and we're getting in my car, and I literally had to pick up my arm to put it on the side like this just to drive down the road. And I was like, it's fucking worse. Like, God damn it, I've never done this, it's fucking worse. And then the next morning I woke up and was just like, oh shit, I can move my arm through the floor right no pain. Like it was mind boggling. Yeah. But again, sometimes you gotta think, right? Like when you overload that muscle for so many years and so many reps, like it's just so tight that it needs to release. So that shock just goes in there. And I mean, it's crazy because it feels like the hardest workout you've ever done. And when you think about it, well, yeah, the muscle literally just yeah. contracted to its fullest extent and then now it's releasing so which uh, you mentioned downtown which gym do you currently work at? so i'm part owner of a gym called free fitness downtown um, tony newen is the owner of free uh, we have a team so we're basically we're a team of personal trainers that all work under one roof okay. so there's seven of us now uh, upstairs we have a massage studio called knots in need so savannah are up there and rise physiotherapy newen's company and she just started with us as well so we basically want to have everything under one roof so that if you do have an injury of some sort right we can refer in within the building and that way we work together so any of my clients that have any sort of issues it's not even a second guess anymore like back when i was newer into personal training it's like mm, yeah i'll try to assess like what your shoulder may be and now i'm like fuck that like <laughs> it's too complex like she's got her physio degree she went to school for six years so that she knows exactly what's happening in the human body go see her yeah we'll talk and then that way we'll build a program with whatever your issues may be and work around it so we work together with it same with the massage studio upstairs so it definitely works really well having everyone under one roof I agree, and yeah, like especially having seen experts for certain uh, impingements or some. Um, I think during the lockdown, I was doing those some home workouts. Yeah. And I live in the main floor of a condo here, so underneath the floor is well concrete. So I was doing like burpees and yeah. stuff, and even with shoes on, it's a lot of force on your joints. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, I was only my left knee up first. So I'm probably just getting back into workout, whatever, and then I know for a couple months. Did some squat um, and shit, and like, well, that's already getting better. And I put a load on my spots. I went to Dr. Ron Grant, but he's like, on the paper, like, here and then, like, my phone is a run. And, uh, things. So I'm on her left. So he's doing, I think it's important or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to the doctor there, and then, then like, he put me through certain movements. And I kind of told him how, what the pain was. And he's like, yeah, it's like this little fat in between your knee. He's like, I, he's like, within a minute, he knew what it was. Probably seen it tons of times. He's like, yeah, if you have certain shoes on, this and that, and then, so you just take this and nice and you fit, I'm like, oh, thanks. And so I waited four months for that. Was he a sports doctor then, or? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, funny enough, I was having a conversation with my clients this morning about, like, GPs, and it's like, if any of my clients have an issue with that, like, I do not feel them to GP. Like, it, it's, not to shit on GPs, but any practitioner, right? So you a lot. 
specific things they don't in terms of like it's more more often than not it's like exactly like you said like oh go get an x-ray ultrasound well okay actually show problems right you can do a movement to really and in terms of health and um yes uh, um, i love the use i got into really into fitness um i just got super health conscious um just super i guess involved in how i looked and be just ripped and jacked and also want the ladies to love me and and then I just I thought in my mind that only certain foods are healthy. Uh, I wouldn't like I wouldn't consume alcohol. I wouldn't do this anymore. I would just have either like salads or i like just meat, veggies, and be like sweet potato. Yeah. Like that's it. And then and it took me a while just to realize that there's tons of food that are healthy and you can make healthy food tasty. And you don't have to just eat chicken and broccoli or what yeah. have you. And it kind of put me through um, some in a worse spot because. Yes, I was kind of physically healthier, but then I had no social life and people were, I wasn't enjoyable to be around because I wouldn't hang out and let, let loose. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. It's all about balance, right? Like more often than not, if you're putting yourself into an extreme situation where, again, you're just eating chicken and broccoli and you're working out six times a week and you have no social life, you're not going out drinking and hanging out with your friends, you're going to end up getting out of it too. The nice thing now is that... There's so many, oh, nice thing, because it's kind of a double-edged sword, but there's a lot more approaches that you can go with now. Um, now, the biggest thing, especially in terms of weight loss, it's just about being in a calorie deficit. Like, truthfully, you could eat McDonald's every single day if you wanted to, and as long as you're in a calorie deficit, you still will lose weight. Are you gonna feel great and perform great? Probably not, because you're still putting garbage into your body, but if your goal is to lose weight, you're still gonna lose weight if you're in a deficit. There is no arguing that in the slightest like it's physically fucking impossible if you were in a calorie deficit you will not put on weight and that's the funny part is everyone people try to argue that and it's like no it's a really fucking simple concept this is basically just math at this point and the argument goes the other way too where if you need to burn a thousand calories a day to be in a calorie deficit but you're only burning 500 well yeah you're gonna put on weight Mm -hmm. it's a pretty simple concept now again there's ketogenic diet there's intermittent fasting there's snake diet there's bodybuilding diet there's so many different approaches you can go with but the biggest thing is it's always just going to put you in in a deficit right right you look at keto and it's like well yeah no shit if you go from eating a loaf of bread each week and then you cut that well yeah yeah you're cutting carbs but you're just putting yourself in a deficit. Yeah, and let's, let's talk about keto for a bit. I'm not that expert on keto, uh, the keto diet, but I know it's uh, predominantly fats. Yeah, fats um, and uh, very high fat moderate. I think it's like, like 15% protein, yeah. maybe like 5% carbs, you're around like 10 to 15 grams of, and then it's like 80, 85%, 80% fats. And I think certain people, I think people when they hear like a lot more fat, tons of healthy fats where yes, you will lose weight because you're not having these processed foods anymore, but then over time, you can still be extremely unhealthy. So exactly. just because you can have um, like a lot more fat, or for example, have you heard of it? The, yeah, the yeah. all meat diet. Yeah, and, uh, I heard yeah. there's like- Because Joe Rogan did that, yeah, like, and, uh, test with it. And I think uh, Dr. Every, um, is, uh, not Joe Dispenza, but um, Dr. Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. um, he had a lot of uh, immune issues yeah. in his body. Like I think his daughter too, she had a terrible, arthritis or because she has surgeries like in her teens oh, but soon she cut out everything except for meat and I think greens so not like carrots but like greens everything went away and he eats like two T-bone steaks but like all his his issues are gone away and then Joe Rogan 
he only did it for a month. He said his uh, I think it was Vitiligo was the best it's ever been. Hmm. Um, but I think it was uh, Fred the Doctor, Sean Baker, I think his name. I think he said uh, one of the biggest things I took away from it when he was on his uh, I think it was Impact Theory. He said just use this diet made for sixty days as a elimination diet, made for like sixty days. Yeah. Only eat say meat and probably veggies. I don't recommend yeah. unless you're good. If you're not eating veggies, you gotta eat the organ meats. Yeah. To get the, the same nutrients, so yeah. you have to pick and choose what you want. Um, do it for sixty days and then start incorporating foods and see what your body is agreeing with. Tolerant to. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense, yeah. right? Like, because I mean, and again, all goes down to sustainability, right? Like, yeah. are you really gonna only meat? meat for the rest of your yeah, life like, okay. yeah you're gonna get sick of this eventually like it's like stone cold back you're gonna get sick of this and that's why i think people would lose weight because you'll be uh i think we're satiated like yeah it's maybe one day you're gonna eat like a whole pack around beef but then the next day you usually sass out half that amount so of course eventually you're gonna lose weight and- exactly and that's when if you like i just started actually myself using because it's just funny like even just seeing what you're eating in a day in terms of like what your calories are coming from mm-hmm. uh i was talking to my girlfriend about this where because we use a lot of olive oil, right? And like that shit catches up <laughs> when you're yeah. seeing the calorie consumption in that sense. Like the other night we had ribeyes, we had ribeyes, grilled zucchini, and roast potatoes. But and I actually because now that this because I've been using my fitness pal, I was like, I actually want to like put it in the tablespoon and see, like just make sure that I'm not just kind of freestyling and yeah. putting olive oil in there. So I put five tablespoons of olive oil between the zucchini and the roasted peppers. 600 fucking calories. Oh, man. Which is crazy because then yeah. I say you get a weight loss client who's in and they're like, yeah, I'm eating. Like, yeah, I just can't lose weight. Like, I'm eating healthy. Like, I'm eating my chicken three times a day, my vegetables and this and that. And then it's like, okay, let's like really break this down. How are you cooking your meat? How are you cooking your vegetables, right? Because if you are on a weight loss diet and you're eating 1,500 calories a day, but you're actually eating 2,000 calories a day because you aren't taking into consideration your olive oil, right? Like, that adds up fucking fast because that 500 calories a day is now 3,500 calories a week, which is now 14,000 calorie, 14, yeah, 14,000 calories a month, right? So it's frustrating because you get those people like, again, I'm not losing weight, but I'm doing all the right things. It's like, let's really break this down to bare bones. And it's like, oh, right, that extra 14,000 calories in a month, which is like, what, seven pounds of fat, basically? Yeah. Like, no shit, you're not losing weight. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So it is just funny seeing the actual numbers of it, and that's where I like to stick with, again, either having, like, if you want to lose weight, let's just put you in a calorie deficit. you want to gain weight, let's put you into a calorie surplus. It's, you don't need to go crazy with the specifics of it. Obviously, now, again, if you're getting a high-performance athlete, then you need to be very specific with what they're putting in their body. Yeah. But regardless, if they want to gain weight, it's a simple science. They still need to be in a surplus. Mm-hmm. Because if they're in a deficit, they just physically impossible for their body to put on weight. Yeah, and also if you lose too much weight then your joints are I think my friend Nicole, uh, she's competing again in bodybuilding. She yeah. wants to get a pro card finally, so um um, we're rooting for her, but she's in incredible shape now, just ripped, and that's kind of what inspired me to get my ass off the coach during COVID. So shout out to her. But nice. um, she loves riding, but then I think up to a certain point, obviously she's getting pretty um, just shredded, and she loves jogging. And then she said, I think they actually think her knees start hurting because because obviously your 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 tissues around your tissues is there's fat, and if you're yeah. losing fat, well then that kind of between your joints goes away, and and then I think um, that's when you need I think probably collagen would help. Yeah, bit. it wouldn't be bad. That or uh, glucosamine, something along those lines, just yeah. to help with a little bit of lubrication. Yeah, I know what you mean that. Um, and again, I think people sometimes think when they get uh, to lose weight, you only have to eat, they eat like so little, like just maybe like a little bit of meat and a salad. Well, 
Um, initially, yes, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but initially, yes, you will lose weight because you're in a, such a deficit with that. So you're in such a deficit if you eat too little. Well, then next time you eat a lot, your body stores, stores it because the it's not going to eat again. Yeah. And yeah, and that's why your weight fluctuates or you just stay at the same weight. Yeah. And then you got so many factors too in terms of your stress, right? Like stress is the biggest one too is because your cortisol levels are so high all the time and you're stressed all the time. Like, yeah, no shit, you're not losing weight because again, your body isn't absorbing the nutrients it's supposed to be absorbing because your cortisol levels are so high. Your sleep is probably garbage because your cortisol levels are so high because you're stressed about whatever your financial issues, your relationship issues, your family issues, whatever it may be, right? Like the simple little things like sleep and just proper nutrition are just such simple elements of it. But again, people, it's an Instagram, hey, well, so-and-so took this, this supplement and lost 45 pounds in a month. Well, I'm going to do that too. And it's like, for fuck's sakes like ha, was that guy 400 pounds to start because you know what if he was 400 pounds to start and he lost 45 pounds in a month like it's not that impressive right and also <laughs> I forget which documentary it was but they were basically debunking um like supplements and maybe some of the Instagram people and I think there might have been it was what Bell Mark Bell mm-hmm. Mike Bell Bodybuilder. Yeah. Famous bodybuilder. Yeah, it was a scary yeah. documentary and he's uh, his brother bigger faster stronger bigger faster stronger yeah. yeah that's the one yeah. and he um, interviewed the basically um, certain supplement companies. Um, basically, um, different lighting in the picture and different like, airbrushes to make it look like he lost weight. Yeah. Well, in the states, that documentary goes to show just how much of a clusterfuck it is in the states. Their stuff, their supplements aren't even actually like clinically. Yeah. Like it's pretty much just a free for all in terms of like, oh, this fat burner's got whatever the fuck these ingredients are. Who knows? But. There's a really fit person on the cover of it, yeah. so it must work. And I it's think, like, again, that's not it's <laughs> the like, case at all. I don't want to say the name, but I heard um, hydroxyfat is just the. Uh, oh, I heard so it's no, awful. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you can find it at Walmart readily available. Yeah. And I think I use it for a bit, but yeah, I just. Well, then it has something to do with your, your liver? Well, I think because you, like, some, some certain, I think because they cheap products, you build a tolerance up, so you use instead one, like, one serving, you use two servings, no, three servings, no. and then you just. Well, I think what you're getting in your liver is right, having to process all that fake yeah, well, shit you're putting in the other body. other pre-workout, like I think we call it super dump. Because you just want <laughs> to pump, yeah. Yeah, because you have to like before the gym you have to just go to the bathroom right away. Oh, yeah. Well I was like, did you ever have the jacked three D, the one that before they because they there was a certain ingredient that they had to take out of it? Yeah, um, I might I'll probably try it. Yeah, sure. that was it was bomb back in the day. But then yeah, you you take it and you're just off the walls like vibrating. Yeah. It's like can't be good for me, but I'm gonna have a fucking great workout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, I think it's so important, um, like in regards to training and nutrition, to you got to find out first of all what your body, what your body responds yeah. well to. Um, because certain people you want to tell you, but I think certain body types, certain physiologies, um, that's where I think people just injure off because they just go too heavy. Your, your, again, your physiology can, can't handle it. like my brother. Too much, too fast. He, um, he has a hyperextension elbows. Yeah, he's very flexible, so. He cannot, he also dances quite a bit, so he's a lot flexible, so he cannot really lift heavy. Yeah. Where for me, I was more sports oriented, so I'm able to lift heavy loads, but then in regards to mobility, I have to really work on that, stretching, yeah. and stretching, I do that, because, yeah, I thought being uh, my first entry in fitness, I thought it was going to be the easiest thing in the world, but <laughs> it's so much more work than I thought, you know, you have to make sure you stretch or else you're, like even in bed, um, you're with your sweetheart in bed, but then also you have a hamstring cramp, you have to get off the bed and roll it out. It's not sexy at all. So you didn't stretch at the gym, right? So. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, 
I would say like if it was simple, everyone would be fit. Yeah. Right. It's fucking hard, and it's it's it is a lifestyle. Like there's no. Again, it goes back to the consistency thing, right? Where there's no in and out way of doing it. Like if you're going to be physically fit the rest of your life, it's something you have to commit to for the rest of your life, right? And you have to make it a lifestyle where you enjoy it. And I think that's the hardest part with most people is they don't get into a routine in it, right? They, especially for the first little bit, they're just doing it to do it, right? Because mm-hmm. oh, I have this goal, I want to lose 10 pounds. So I'm just doing it because of that. And it's like, you need to make, you need to enjoy it or else you just won't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's like anything, right? Like if you're in school for something and you fucking hate it, like, you might stick with it because you paid for it, but you also might not stick with it because you fucking hate doing what you're doing, right? Yeah. It takes so much more work and more yeah. motivation to actually do the work and yeah. go enjoy it. Well, and this was actually, this was funny because <laughs> this was back when I was really early on in my career and I had this young girl come into me. She was quite a bit overweight. She had bought, I think like 48 sessions, which back at the time was a pretty big package kind of thing. So plan was that she was going to train twice a week for the following four and a half months, whatever it worked out to and we're about two months in and she comes in the one day she just starts like attacking me like literally like you're fucking wasting money like you stupid salesman like i should never bought my training with you like i haven't lost a single pound doing this and i remember just being like fuck like do i suck at what i'm doing like is this like did i do this kind of thing and then i sat down with my boss at the time because i was just like fucked up from it and she's like man like did I rip this girl off? Like, did I, like, did I, did I do, is this my bad kind of thing? And he sat me down and he was like, how many times a week she training? I was like, twice. And I was like, is she following her homework? I was like, no. Is she eating? Like, is she following her nutrition guide? No. And he was like, so this is exact words. He was like, you're not Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like, if it was that easy, like if you could come see a personal trainer for two hours a week and you would get results, do you not think every fucking person in the world would have a personal trainer and would be fit? Yeah. Right? If it was that easy, everyone would do it. And that's the thing. It's fucking hard, right? But I mean, life's fucking hard. Yeah. So it is what it is. I think that's what happened to uh, Taylor Lautner from the Cloud Series. Oh, yeah. He used to be really jacked and ripped, but then as soon as I think just he wasn't maybe, you know, started certain movies anymore, he wasn't training more, and then he just... Let it all go. Let it all go. And I think it goes back to having proper training, proper nutrition protocols. Yes. If you're just um, getting, trying to fit in healthy by eating chicken and broccoli and then you go back to a regular lifestyle where maybe you have more a bit more cheeseburgers whatever than a supper meal well then yeah you're gonna go back but if you have a healthy lifestyle where you know maybe once a week you have maybe like a pizza night yeah. or or twice a week whatever you want and you have a fitness you enjoy maybe biking hiking then hey you're gonna be fit for longer yeah well i mean how many bodybuilders do you see that do their competition and yeah they're absolutely shredded because they did their water cut and they're all tanned and everything but then they look like shit, I mean, yeah. right? Because they go and binge like crazy. It's like, is that really healthy? Yeah. Mm, probably not, but <laughs> to each their own. Yeah, oh man, yeah, I heard, I heard that's a huge problem. And, and then again, going back to things like body dysmorphia because you look so good for a show, but then um, I think everyone I think everyone has anything fitness true. As soon as you put out a bunch of pounds, you don't look as lean. It's a funny story. I dated a girl actually who, she competed and she didn't win, but she was at, she did like Northerns basically for Alberta and she was a bikini, bikini uh, competitor. And so I didn't meet her until six months after she had last competed. And like, that can be said in terms of body dysmorphia, like she was 20 pounds over her stage weight. And again, your stage weight is nothing, you can't, you can't continuously walk around at that weight, right? Again, you've done your water cut, you're completely depleted of pretty much absolutely everything. 
you're as ripped as your body can possibly be. As soon as you drink a glass of water, you're going to look less ripped because your body's going to retain that, right? Yeah. But with her, like, she was 20 pounds over her stage weight and she was fat. It was just like, if you looked in a mirror, like, you're gorgeous. Drop dead gorgeous. And you look in a mirror and you think that you're fat. Like, that doesn't even fucking make sense. But again, when you've seen yourself at stage weight and you really like what that looks like, well, then... Yeah, that's what you want to look all the time. But again, it's not even achievable without either completely starving yourself and doing drugs, whatever it may be, to look like that. Right? And it's very, like, I'm a little bit tainted when it comes to bodybuilding, partially from dating her and just yeah. seeing what it did to her mentally. Because again, she was absolutely beautiful, but she just didn't think so. Right? It's tough because again, you get someone who's so beautiful on the outside, but just so mentally angry with themselves or angry with the way they look or sad whatever it may be and it's just it's it is a sad reality of this yeah part. yeah i think yeah i think it's, it's also uh, prevalent in the male side as well where oh, for sure yeah yeah these male competitors um and they want to look good all the time and a lot of their business depends on them looking good because one they're trading online clients and a decent decent amount of the well-known athletes have their own supplement lines yeah. partner up with their sponsors have their own line on their with their sponsor and and they want to do well and make money and they have to look good all the time and I think there are a few who um, do do it healthy and enjoy it. One of my uh, favorite um, I subscribe to, I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're in Steve Cook. Yeah. I, I, I like him because one, he has a great message I find. He doesn't really, um, he has a lot of great, I guess, recipes. He tells people to um, um, to basically enjoy their workouts. He has a great message. He doesn't then. He's a realist. He's a realist, <laughs> right? And, and, and versus, uh, I'm not sure who else, but there's there's a lot of people who just again they're able to looks and, yeah. and then you hear about their personal life and they're just angry and they just care so much what they look like and see some tells Colin like oh you know those, those are fake weights or you look small bro and they're like coming at people on social media and it's like you also just care too much about your look and yeah. necessarily about the, the journey and the health and fitness aspect. Exactly. And like one thing that I started opening up a bit more is about the mental health side of what comes with fitness and like I don't know truthfully I now believe too especially that I'm getting older is like you can fake your happiness with physical fitness to a certain degree because eventually it will catch up to you mm-hmm. because if you honestly hate yourself or are angry sad whatever your issue might be like that will start to come out in physical forms mm-hmm. um, again back on the Eckhart Tolle uh, conversation there he says a lot in his book about how um, psychological or mental manifestations will then cause physical manifestations. So, right, so whether it be cancer, diabetes, stroke, right, so much of that is caused by internal stress, mm-hmm. right? Like they say, stress is the silent killer, and one hundred percent is because I know people over the past fifteen years in the fitness industry who look extremely physically fit and happy and healthy, but then when you really break it down to the reality of their situation in their life, they're fucking miserable, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one lady I know, same thing. Like, she's probably the most fit mother of two, 35-year-old that I've ever met in my entire life, right? She ended up going through three years of just horrible, horrible health issues. She got cancer, she got this, she got that. And again, they can't prove it, obviously, but she was sexually assaulted as a minor and basically didn't talk to one single person about it. She just held on to it, buried it for so long, and it came out. Right, like it's just one of those ones where you like internal stress will cause exterior issues eventually. It's sort of just a matter of when. Yeah, hundred percent. 
And something uh, I kind of disappointed in regards to um, our government, in regards to the COVID response in terms of precautions. Uh, maybe I missed it, but I don't never. I never saw any of the health officials talk about, hey, make sure you have a, a good diet, make sure you have um, proper vitamins, and make sure you're at least doing some physical exercise. Yeah. Um, I think that doesn't get talked about enough because even if you're locked up in your home and you're maybe being very precautious, you don't want to go anywhere. You can still maybe go outside while it's still nice so walk around your block a couple of times. Maybe do some push-ups, get some resistance bands. Yeah. And that too, it helps sometimes de-stress and maybe help you calm down, maybe deal with certain issues. Because almost kind of, at least for me, it's kind of like therapy. Oh, 100% it's yeah. therapy. And that's like, I didn't start going to therapy until I was 22. And I wish I had when I was younger, but from the ages of 14, 22, like that was my therapy, which is... Go to the gym, like I, you got to bodybuilding, you'd love like Ronnie Coleman, right? Yeah. Jay Cutler, all those guys. Like that's who inspired me back when I was like 16 years old kind of thing. Yeah. But for me, that was my release. Like I had a lot of anger growing up, uh, a lot of, yeah, a lot of anger growing up. And that was my thing. So I'd go to the weights, start going to the gym, kick the living shit out of myself for an hour and a half, two hours. Right. But again, kind of like I touched on the last five years, I've been dealing with shoulder injuries and injuries of this and that and this, right? Like a lot of that, I personally think, A, I was drinking a lot, so my body was not in a good shape. But because that was my form of therapy, I was still trying to work out, right? Yeah. Not something that you should combine. So for those listening, don't <laughs> fucking drink and lift. It's not good. Not yeah. to say I did that at the same time, but again, when it comes to inflammatories and things like that, if your body's not recovering and you're still trying to lift, like you will get hurt. Yeah, doesn't doesn't alcohol kind of inhibit your basically your body's functions? Oh yeah, there? it blocks hypertrophy pathways. It affects your sleep. It affects your recovery. Um, same things. It dehydrates you. So and again, go back to the tendons and ligaments. Right, your tendons also get dehydrated. So even if you're doing everything right, but you're drinking on the side and your tendons are extremely dry, or yeah, and you go and try and lift with them through floor range motion, it's not going to feel good. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, and. Um, and in regards to fitness, what are some movements, uh, basic, basic movements that you always, let's say, recommend that people they incorporate or maybe that are just like a good base for getting strength in? So I'm very basic. That's my thing uh, is do the basics and do the basics properly. Squat, press, push, pull is truthfully all you need. Um, so again, some variation of a squat, whether it be a single leg squat, um, bilateral squat, aka double leg squat, some sort of deadlift, whether it be a Romanian deadlift, stiff-legged deadlift, deadlift. Um, reason being, it's movements that you do every day. Yeah. Uh, one, actually, I should add this in there as well, is some form of carry. So uh, one I do a lot is called suitcase carries, and basically you just load a dumbbell on one side of your body, stay as upright as you possibly can, and you just walk. So imagine when you're carrying your groceries, right? Especially when you do the fucking haul where you don't want to go back to your car. Yeah. So you load them all on the one hand, right? Like something like that, where it's actually going to carry over to your everyday life. So that's where the joke, kind of the Bosu ball earlier comes into play, where it's like, when the fuck, even in Alberta, when there's a crazy snowstorm, I'm never going to walk outside and then be on this little half ball, and it's like, oh, it's functions. Yeah. It's <laughs> balance. Well, fuck, like, I'm going to fall regardless, yeah. right? Um, and then press some sort of overhead press and then some sort of pull. So whether it be a seated row, actually most people would be better off doing some sort of seated row or inverted row, any form of row really, so that your scapula stays healthy. Yeah. Uh, your scapula plays a huge part in terms of overhead movements. So if your scapula, I call it sticky stop scapula, where if your scapula gets pretty stuck, whether it be because you work on a computer or you're texting all the time, so you've got a pretty 
uh, forward posture, we need to open that up so that when you do any sort of overhead movement, you're not pressing it in front of you, you're actually pressing it overhead, so you're ending up in a stack position overhead, instead of loading everything onto your shoulders, your bicep tendons, by pushing it in front of you. Okay. Which again, it's those little things that are super, super, super basic, but very overlooked because it, it's not flashy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, and what do you, what's your view on the machines in the gym? Because uh, I guess the gym I go to, um, I'll say the name, I love it, it's Evolved um, yeah. Strength. Have you been there before? Uh, past through it, yeah. Yeah, and so kind of the same uh, type of style gym, um, the gym you're currently working out of, um, has physio, has yeah. acupuncture there, and has open field turf, has strong men's stones, has a whole bunch of platforms for straw, straw um, strength or uh, powerlifting, yeah. Olympic lifting, so, but has uh, VR for machines versus a lot of the commercial gyms. Again, nothing wrong, but they have maybe one platform, if any, maybe a few, some turf, but then a ton of machines. And I guess from my understanding that even though you can't get your work with these machines, nothing wrong, but just how they're designed and certain body positions during, you can get injured more frequently. Yeah, and I mean, it's all for who and for what, right? So if, if the population going to your gym is all, I don't want to say older population because realistically older population should be doing the same thing that the younger population is doing, just less load and done properly. Um, it's for who and for what. So in terms of like bodybuilding, for example, right, when you're trying to isolate just that one muscle group, it's great because if you're trying to hit just the rear delt or just one specific part, right, that machine is going to isolate just that one specific part. So it, the, the biggest thing is, again, it's like it's not the most useful or effective use of your time. However, being back in the gym that I was five years ago, um, there's the older population that just does the same fucking thing every single day, right? Yeah. So they set it up where it's actually like the machine circuit. So it basically goes in order like this. They start on machine one, they go through their little circuit, they get their good workout. I'm putting quotes right now. <laughs> their good workout. Um, but you know what? They've done it for 20 years and they love it. Yeah. So that's where it is for who and for what. Because there is a purpose to everything. It's just what are you doing it for? Exactly. Um, do I see a ton of usefulness out of it? Not really, because realistically, any movement that you do on those machines, you can set up with some sort of kind of gimme setup with a dumbbell or a bar of some sort, kettlebell, whatever it may be. You can do the same things. It's just going to be a bit more of a gimmicky setup. Uh, kind of what like, you want touched on in terms of it, it puts you into specific range of motion that could cause injuries. That is definitely true, right? Because again, if you're doing what I don't like the most is the Smith machine. Um, you use the Smith machine for? Yeah. Yeah. So especially when you see people do squats in a Smith machine, right? Nine out of ten times they're done just so in, so improperly, it's unbelievable. Because you're you're forced to move along the rack, which is in a straight line. So your body is gonna naturally gravitate a little bit backward, a little bit forward throughout a squat. So if you're in this fixed range of motion you're compensating the movement to move in that fixed range of motion. So again, if you load it too much, yeah, you might very well hurt yourself because you think you're squatting properly because, oh, I'm doing a Smith machine, moving in a straight line. Well, that doesn't mean anything if you're compromising your position just to move in that straight line. 100%. I think mine as well is I don't do too too often. I think only if you want to get a community to pump and build your legs or if you are strong, if you are strong, you know you're strong. I think with caution is a leg press, I find sometimes people load it up too much. Yeah. 
I mean, either they do like maybe a quarter range of movement, but it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Or they go just like, or they just go too low and just like all the weights on their basically knees and lower back. And yeah. And again, leg press, like it's, you get the people like, oh, I can leg press a thousand pounds, but they squat 150. And it's like, just say that out loud once. Yeah. Does that not fucking make sense in your head? Like that you're probably fucking one of them up pretty badly. Cause if it's that big of a discrepancy, Something's not adding up here. Exactly, and yeah, and um, one thing I'll change in most gyms or a job I like to, my dream job or I don't say dream job, but I love to do is like almost be like a gym referee. Yeah, think of those people who are just on the certain machines or uh, squat racks and they're for three minutes in between sets. So I'll just like kick them out or whatever. Just that drives me nuts. Like certain people are there for a workout and you're. Taking up space, but yeah, taste your own, whatever. <laughs> but I kind of, uh, kind of going back to like uh, the gym using therapy. You mentioned um, that you yourself, you, you kind of use the gym and a little bit of alcohol as a therapy, and then you recently, um, or at twenty two, you turned to a therapist. What, what was like, what made you turn to a therapist, and what I guess, what are some benefits, even if someone maybe isn't dealing with any issues, what, what, why would it be important to have maybe like a, a bird's eye view of uh, yourself? Just having that completely neutral third-party opinion on whatever you're dealing with. Again, whether it be financial stress, relationship stress, whatever your stress may be, right? Like, because everyone, it, no one has a perfect life. Like, truthfully, I honestly think that everyone should go see therapy. Even if it's just someone to talk to and to vent to, that isn't going to judge you, right? Because people don't open up because they don't want to be judged. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a good buddy of mine and I want to tell you something, but in the back of my head, I'm scared that you're going to judge me or you're going to tell my other friend or you're going to tell your girlfriend or whatever it may be, people hold that back, right? Uh, one thing I like to talk about is, is this kind of the spectrum. So I actually got into it a little bit with some people that are pretty close to me about the spectrum. So basically they, what happened was that they, they almost said that you shouldn't talk about your issues unless they're severe. So what I didn't like about that was if we're using a spectrum, let's just say one to 10, that's like saying every single person with anxiety or an eating disorder or depression, suicidal thoughts, whatever it may be, basically shouldn't talk about their issue until it's a 10. Well, the issue with that is most people, when they've gotten to a 10, there's no fucking turning back, mm -hmm. right? You've lived with this demon, again, whatever it may be, for the last 15, 20, your entire life. If you're at a 10 out of 10, it's going to be fucking hard to fix that, yeah. right? And again, whether it be drinking drugs, again, eating disorder, whatever it may be, the best thing you can do is talk about that, talk to someone about that as early as you possibly can, because they're going to come up with tools and ways to not let you get to a 10, right? Like you take someone, for example, who's an alcoholic, if they get to a 10, they've been drinking for a long time. Yeah. They're in a dark fucking place. And they, again, have been doing this so habitually for God knows how many years, it's going to be fucking hard to break that. Mm -hmm. So why would we not talk about it? Even if you're a three or a four, right? Like that kind of upset me because I honestly think you should just talk about your shit, even if it's a one, because if that prevents you from being a two, awesome. That's another life you just saved. If that prevents you from getting to a three or four or five or six, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's what the point of talking about your issues is, is to not get you farther on the spectrum of whatever you're on. Mm -hmm. um, 
back to the therapy thing. Yeah, again, honestly, just because I remember, I remember going into my first therapy session and fucking like, arms crossed, like basically had this brick wall up. <laughs> I remember my therapist at the time was like, kind of looked around and was like, you realize you're paying $200 an hour to be here. <laughs> if you're going to fucking sit here and not tell me anything, yeah. like, there's no point in you being here. And it was kind of just like, oh, shit, like, yeah, I guess so. I'm fucking paying for this. Like, I should probably take advantage of this. And then I just let it all come out. And it was, honest to God, one of the most relieving feelings I've ever felt. Like, it felt like I got hit by a fucking bus when I walked out of there because it was just so much emotional baggage, I guess, that you just throw all out in one place. And especially for someone who's held on to that baggage for... 5, 10, 15, 20 years, like, it is crazy how exhausted you are after that because, again, you're, you're, you're laying out on the table something that you've held on to for so many years. Mm-hmm. And again, whether it be because of depression, anxiety, whatever your issue is, we all have issues. It's just the severity of what their issue is and sort of what the issue itself is, right? Like, I firmly believe that every fucking person has something. Every person has something. Are you yeah. whether it be addicted to drugs or booze or sugar, certain foods, your phone, whatever it may be, like the soul sort of thing, right? In terms of the likes and the, the dopamine release that you get, like that is a common thing now, is that people are fucking addicted to their phone. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. So what do you what's what's causing that addiction? Oh it's like I never got attention as a kid. It's like boom. Like go talk about that shit. hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. And yeah, I think it's, I think I wouldn't be surprised, even if it's a, a one out of 10 kind of mental issue, I think I wouldn't be surprised that the majority of us nowadays have some sort of issues because we are in this social media culture where we are comparing and especially um, Facebook, which is some sense, depending on certain opinions, if you're not, you don't have certain opinions or you say something, then you can be ousted and you take it down, no one hangs out with you anymore. So it's basically something online can have real world consequences and yeah, some people just, so some people have, uh, think some people have, so you can have a hundred positive comments, but then someone says you're shit, and you just focus on that one negative comment, even though that person yeah. does not matter. And and to your point about opening up to someone, I had the uh, executive director of the mustard seed, and we're talking about homelessness, and, yeah. and, and he said, um, the number one reason why people become homeless is because of broken relationships. I can it's, see that. It's yeah. because people believe they have no one to turn to about certain problems, and, on the street and then and then that's why certain people can become drug drug dependent because you know you bottom, need something right a bottle of whiskey yeah. is at least more comforting than knowing than the person you can't talk to right so yeah. turn to that well and as my like for my situation like my thing was that i drank to sort of numb myself too right and it's the same thing it's a slippery fucking slope because if you're drinking a mickey a day to numb yourself it's just like you're talking about the hydroxycot like eventually your body's gonna build a tolerance to that mickey so then now i'm drinking a two six a day right do that for five years. Now I'm drinking a day, right? Like it's gonna be really fucking hard to stop. Yeah. You can talk to somebody a day is maybe I'm at a three or four on the spectrum. I should talk about this now, fix this now to get me to stop from going in this direction. Percent, hundred percent, and and yeah, it's it's so important if if people I think even in just everyday life people want to improve and be healthy. I think again when we talk about health and fitness, we all most people. Obviously, you just think about just working out with physical, fitness, yeah. physical fitness, but it's so important to also work on your mind. And yes, it is a lot of work, and and it, it, you have to dedicate time to do it. But I think even just ten minutes, fifteen minutes in the morning, 
time for yourself before you start the day, don't go on your phone. Yeah. Is so important because then it just primes your mind for the day versus waking up, looking at the time, I'll have to leave for work in 15 minutes, check my phone, oh shit, this email, this text, and then you're catching up all day and then you're always, then again, you're exhausted. You're because, stressed because you're catching up the whole day, you're yeah. anxious or whatever it is too. Yeah. I know my coach right now, um, I hired that online business coach and he it really preaches like a morning routine. And then he essentially says your first half hour, uh, one hour in the morning is like, do not look at your phone. Like do your meditation, your gratitude, whatever you got to do in the morning, but don't look at your phone. Cause the whole point of it is that you get into a clear headspace before you go onto your phone. Mm-hmm. Cause if I wake up, roll in bed and the first thing I see is one of my friends out in bed having a great time. Oh, fuck, that guy's life's so much better than mine. Like I gotta go to work now for 12 hours. Yeah. So-and-so's in Banff and God, his life's just so much better than mine. And that's what's going to carry you for the whole day. Whereas you know what, maybe if I cleared my head, set my intentions for the day, set my goals for the day, I would see that post and be all oh, cool. Jared's in uh, so-and-so, sweet. Hit the like button and scroll on. It doesn't affect you the same way, right? But having that clear head is huge. Again, it's hard. Meditation's hard, right? And yeah. what I was listening to a cool podcast the other day. I don't know who that Camera who, I want to say it was Lewis Hole. No, Lewis Hole? Lewis House? House, yeah. yeah. And he was talking of kind of like the concept of meditation. Now, he, he said it was like clearing the cobwebs, right? So, again, everyone's got to be like, oh, I can't meditate. Like, I just can't focus on so long. I can't focus for so long. And it's like, no, what's the, what's the truth behind what's the first thing your brain goes to when you meditate? Your stresses. Mm-hmm. Again, do you have financial stress? That's the first fucking thing you're going to think about. If you have relationship stress, that's the first fucking thing you work out or think about uh, health issues, whatever it may be. That's what you're going to think about. But what he talks about a lot of it is that the point of meditation is to see clearly and to come up with strategies to get those negative stresses out of your life. Yeah. Right? If I have $20,000 in debt and I just keep pushing it back, keep pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back, well, it's not going to fucking just disappear, right? You need to come up, you need to sit with the debt collector, you need to sit with whatever consolidated debt credit, whatever you got to do, you need to figure out a plan. Mm-hmm. Once you take care of all those stresses, you'll be able to meditate because your mind's actually going to be clear because you're not going to be immediately thinking of the things that you're stressing out about that you're just keep pushing away, pushing away, pushing away. And I never really heard about meditation just in that thought process. And it's like, God, that hits close to home because the first thing I do when I try to meditate is I think about all the things that stress me out. Yeah, exactly. And and to your point about the basically the thousand or 10,000 bad deadlifts, um, I read this book, it's actually right there. It's called, uh, what's it called? Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. So it's by, uh, I'm not sure if you heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. So his story, um, basically he was doing a race. I think he was doing a race and then I think a car hit him when he was doing this race. Broke a bunch of vertebrae in the back. I think it was either surgery, but he's like, no, I want to try a different method. And he says, if it works, he's going to de- dedicate his life to pra- practicing, researching, teaching it. And it was basically thought and basically it took a while to thought and basically visualize very consciously the vertebrae reattaching itself yeah. in his back and then he healed himself. And when, Power of the mind. And when he talks about um, basically stress, what it, become, it could be, uh, he says that how the personalities happen is um, you have the one bad day or yeah, bad or stressed for one day and then you carry it over to the next day and then you carry it over to the next day, then becomes a personality trait Condition thinking, condition right? thinking. Just like that car talks about it. If it just spirals from there and it keeps on going, 
Yeah. You need to stop it. Yeah, and then and then and then again and then that's why people have certain triggers that they're amazing for X amount of weeks, days, months, and then maybe they they have one maybe one twenty five dollar debt on their credit card. They were so good and that can send them into because yep. they their mind goes back to the time they had the debt and then they're all of a sudden just filled with stress. Yep. And yeah, again, it's so important one again to figure out yourself. Um um, I think the only thing of personal development, the only thing about the positivity, like um, hooey gooey type of stuff, that you just think positive thoughts, everything's going away. But for me, like, uh, I guess the message I like to te- tell people is personal development is more like personal awareness. It's not just being positive all the time, but it's realizing, okay, what, look at yourself objectively. Okay, what, what am I good at? What do I like? What do I dislike? What, what, what am I not good at? And just seeing where you want to go and then kind of navigating through there. And then if you know what you like, what triggers you, what doesn't trigger you, you can plan ahead, you can avoid certain things, and then your life would be much better. You'd be healthy, more healthy mentally, and then you'd probably be more excited to go and work out. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And then a lot of it comes to being in the present moment itself, right? Because for someone that dwells in the past, well, you're going to ruin your present moment now because you love the past or if you're scared of something in the future and you're anxious about the future, well, you're still taking away from just the present moment and you could be dead tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is the point of stressing about five years from now when you literally could be dead tomorrow? You could get, you could like this guy, you get hit by a fucking car, walking on the street and you could be dead tomorrow. So what's the point? Like, yes, there's obviously common sense comes in in terms of having things laid out for the future, but for you to stress about something that may or may not happen in the future, like, that in itself is bumping up your stress levels, which is bumping up your cortisol levels, which is again causing it causing harm to your present body. Yeah, for some reason you want to like a cheeseburger because you're stressed. Exactly. Weird how that works, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it doesn't help if you live across from McDonald's like I do. It's right across the street, so it's easy, but and uh, you also probably know who David Goggins is. Yeah. Um, I guess what what is one that around the fifty there, thousand fifty. It might have been, but he's a Navy SEAL. He's a former Navy SEAL. I think he's the only one to go through like three or four hell weeks, like some crazy number. And and uh, I think what's cool about this guy, he wasn't the guy before. Right? He was fat and overweight and spraying for cockroaches as a job, buying milkshakes and donuts on the way home. Oh, shit. And just decided to change. And then I think he wanted to run. It was a hundred mile race at the runner on a one mile track to get into this ultra marathon. Holy. And I think people were running in teams. He was the only one there by himself. And I think like 70 miles in, like he had shin splints and like peed blood down his leg, but still finished. And he just turned to this like hard guy. And he's funny, I think like, because he's uh, also Joe Rogan talks, like he's on the show sometimes. This guy's like famous that he like runs, he'll run and like, and talk, like yeah. talking motivational Yeah, I think one is like, the guy's yeah. like, why are you running? He's like, sure not, motherfucker. And then, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think he says too, he's like, um, like he says, I'm not always motivated. He's like, sometimes I sit down and I look at my, like just stare at my running shoes. I'm like, nah, I don't want to run today. And then he's like, then when I start running, I run fucking hard because I was lazy ass. And goes, yeah. But you know, like some guys, I think we need some people like that because he gets me motivated. Shit, I'm, I'm not tuned enough. Like I have to go out there. And, and it is funny. I listened to a podcast with Mel Robbins today, and she talks. She says that motivation is garbage, yeah. and hers is more from an entrepreneurial perspective. Yeah. Which, and as an entrepreneur, like I fucking 100 percent get that because you can listen to that motivating podcast at three in the afternoon. Like, Fuck yeah! Tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and do this and this and this and this, and then tomorrow morning happens and 
oh, I'm fucking tired, I'm just gonna sleep a bit. Yeah. Right? And you just keep pushing it off, pushing it off, yeah. pushing it off. And it's like, it's true, motivation is fucking garbage. Like, there's just a part of you that just has to realize, especially in an entrepreneur world, like, you need to just get fucking shit done. Yeah. No one is gonna wake up motivated every single day, but that's where when you come up with things like your morning routine, your gratitude, your affirmations, like, it's sort of reiterating every morning, like, I'm doing this because of this, right? I'm doing this because of the big picture, and I wanna get to here, Right, especially if you got a vision board or something, it's like, I want to have this house. Well, get the fuck out of bed and start working. Like, yeah, yeah you have three hours that you can still sleep. That's not going to get you here. So, what is it going to take to get me to here? Because motivation sure as shit ain't it. <laughs> exactly. And I think it goes back to finding something you enjoy. Consistency and balance, right? Consistency and balance because, you know, Yes, uh, the idea of uh, being entrepreneur in business sounds nice because the pot benefits when you make a ton of money, you're traveling the world, you know, fancy home. But then the downside is what most people, well, I don't say most people realize, but what, what maybe people might not realize is it's a ton of work up front, just like just yeah. like fitness. Like you're not going to get your body overnight. You have to work out sometimes a month before you see results sometimes. And on top of that, for entrepreneurs, I think majority of businesses fail in the first couple of years. Yeah. And yeah, it's a basically it's a delayed gratification. You're not gonna maybe make millions overnight, and sometimes it takes five years, ten years. And if you don't like the industry you're in or the product you're selling or whatever, then it's just gonna wear on you, you stress. Yeah. And and even like where I'm at now in terms of starting like trying to transition my business to mainly online, like I'm a nobody. Yeah, I've been a trainer for eleven years in Edmonton, and I'm relatively well known here. In the grand scheme of the world and social media, I'm a nobody. So I might not make a dollar online for the next three to five years. It might absolutely blow up after that. Who knows? But you just got to keep plugging away. And if you plug away for the next two, three years and it blows up, fucking rights, right? 100%. Might do it for two, three years and nothing comes of it. But that's fucking life. That's, yeah. that's entrepreneurship. That's starting a business, right? Like how many successful business owners have failed a previous business? to now end up being super successful because they learn from their failures or whatever it may be. Yeah. It's all a learning experience. You just need to take it at that and not just dwell on something. Because again, ask that famous entrepreneur, super successful business owner that fucked up their first business. Do you think that every day they wake up to like, oh shit, I shouldn't have started that first business. Like I lost so much money because of that. Like, no, they moved on. Yeah. They did shit with their life in the present moment. Exactly. And just dwell on the past, dwell on an ex relationship or whatever it may be. Like, don't let your past fuck up the good things you have in your present because you can't get over your past. Yeah, it's not worth it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think you have to fail to move forward in some aspects because oh, absolutely. I think failing, um, unless you do it repeatedly, it's not getting any success. And may have to take a look what you're doing, but it, it, the thing I mean, it means you're trying. I think some aspects because some people that you. Especially like in school, the people who try, especially like in class, they make fun of or try gym class. Sometimes you get made fun of or what have you because you're you're trying. Try hard. You have to try hard. Yeah. <laughs> and but if you t- make mistakes and you take shots, then you're going to get somewhere. It's like the thing Jim Carrey. His famous story is his father was an accountant because of a safe job. Yeah. And Jim Carrey says his dad was like the funniest guy he knew. But he became an account because it was a safe job, he had a family, but then I think it was X amount of years later, he was let go from that safe job that he didn't like. Yeah. So it's like, yes, you could go make 100 grand, 200 grand in the oil field here in Alberta if you want to. And hey, if you're a tradesperson and you were born for it and you like that lifestyle, go for it because we need people like that obviously mm-hmm. in, our, in our society. But 
if you love baking or want to be a chef, for example, you have to realize, yes, with social media, I think you're going to maybe get somewhere faster because of connections. That's a benefit of it. But you still might have to go travel the world for X amount of years, making, say, 20 grand a year only, yep. living, sharing apartment with people to get that knowledge and that skill. And then eventually, hey, now you have this booming restaurant, five-star, whatever. And again, it's like with the fitness thing, right? You can't compare yourself to somebody who's 12 years in. Uh, do you listen to or watch Binging with Babish at all? Do you know who Babish is on YouTube? Maybe. I may have seen him, but... So saying that he's like one of the most probably famous, famous YouTube chefs out there. Yeah. And so I was doing some research into him because same thing. It's like, God, this guy just brought a Tesla for his brother and he's doing this and yeah. he's doing that. He started that YouTube channel in 2006. Ooh. Do you think he was fucking anybody for the last... Like his first six to no. ten years? No, right? We see him now and we're like, oh my God, he's got... Nine million subscribers. He's making just crazy money. Well, he wasn't the last fourteen years. Right? Like mm-hmm. he worked his ass off to build that up for the last fourteen years to get him where he is today. Yeah. Like it'd be nice if that all happened overnight, but fourteen years is a long fucking time. And fourteen years is a long time, and a lot of people don't want to wait that long. No. And it's the unfortunate reality of like again, you want unless you win the fucking lottery. Money doesn't just get given to you overnight. Like it takes a lot of work. Exactly. And a lot, a lot of work and a lot of time. Hundred percent. And and yeah, and I think I think the thing that people don't think about um, is, I think people think of being uh, wealthy and rich. Again, I'm not wealthy or rich. <laughs> um, I mean, what? Hopefully, one day I will be. But they think it's the easiest life. But then, usually, typically, with more money, um, typically you have more more. Big, it's you have the same problems, but at the much higher or proportional to your yeah. income, right? So, yeah, maybe a nice property. You say it's a two million dollar property, but then maybe you're paying twenty grand a month in property taxes because your location, and then you have a nice car. And I think, I think Bugattis, those three million dollar vehicles, Bugattis. Yeah. I think like the, the tires on them are thousands of dollars and all the shit. And it's like, and then I think also if you have family members or certain business partners, and who knows. Um, what could happen? People get jealous. You get sued for like you never know. And I mean, this day and age, that happens a lot. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying oh, don't be wealthy, but yeah. I think um, there's I think it's a study like a lot of people who win the lottery go back to their lifestyle worse afterwards yeah. because I think there's something to it where if you're starting business or you're saving money, you build that discipline up, and you kind of know the value of hey, I have only make thirty thousand dollars a year. I know how to budget for my lifestyle. Yeah. Where if you have a certain lifestyle and maybe you're in debt, which I think the majority of people are, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you have all of a sudden all this money and you're not used to it. Well, of course, you think you can buy all this stuff and then all of a sudden you have no money and then... You just going to blow out? Yeah. yeah. And what is, uh, with that though, um, what is a consistent message? Because we're talking about how success and your goal, it's kind of a, a delayed uh, gratification. And, um, is that something you preach to your clients all the time? You like, is there some, is there like a, like a certain message you always tell your clients for if they're feeling down or regardless during the fitness journey or? Um, again, I'm kind of a realist with a lot of my clients. Too, yeah. Like <laughs> I like, cause my thing is again, I've been in the gym since I was 14 and I'm 30 now. Like I, I've had clients too, like oh, I saw you eat like pizza last night and you're still ripped and blah, 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 blah. This is like, fuck you. Honestly, like in 16 years, you've been working for six months. In 16 fucking years, come talk to me because I guarantee you, you'll be in the same position I am that you have a little bit more freedom in terms of what you can eat. 
and what you can get away with. Like it's the it's it's, it's a stumble hard fact. Like oh, in sixteen years, you couldn't fucking talk to me. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I, I definitely probably pissed some people off because uh, again, like I think also before I was a full time in the trade, so I was like Christian for a couple of years while training for football. Yeah. So I think my calorie uh, maintenance level was four thousand because again, all day I'm moving, then yeah. I'm in the gym for two three hours, and I think at one point, um, a side story here. Uh, my uh, my friend went to BBJ, Bow Valley Jamboree. Yeah. He uh, said he had uh, some int- intimate relations with a woman he never knew before. So it's like, once we get tested, he wanted to get tested, and we were on the same crew at our electrical company. I'm like, you know what? I'm older. I'm like, I'm going to get tested. You yeah. never know. And then a couple weeks later, I get the call. I'm like, doctor's like, coming for your results. I'm like, oh, no, I'm stressed. I'm like, did you get a call? He's like, nope. I'm like, wow, what happened then? <laughs> but it turns out I had uh, low immune uh, antibodies because I was exerting, like, exerting myself constantly. Yeah. I lost so much fluid. And... But that was just a side or kind of adding to your story though is you mentioned your fitness for so long. I think some people don't take into account that sometimes also when you're fitness and if you work a physical job, sometimes you can get away with having like a, a burger or pizza once in a while because your body just needs the calories. Okay. I, remember, I remember sometimes for fun, I like, I do it occasionally, not not so much anymore. I'd like go to IHOP or three stacks of pancakes. <laughs> I just take it down. I remember the waiter, I'm like, like kind of order like this stack, and he's about to walk away. I'm like, I'm not finishing. Like, he's keeping it. Put it down. I'm not, I probably, I probably imagine some people around me who's like that asshole. He's big and jacking pancakes. I mean, fat. But it's like, well, it's like a cheat day for me, kind of thing. And yeah. I've been busting ass in the gym for how many like weeks or months. So I think that's also it's. Uh, and I mean, it goes to show the insecurities of some people too, because people would see that and be like, oh, fuck, the guy, like must be on steroids yeah. or something. He can eat whatever he wants and still be fit. And it's like, can okay, though? It's just not. It's not that easy. And like. Clearly, you're a resentful person if you think that way, which, again, all that goes back to that person's mental health, right? Mm-hmm. If they're a very resentful person or a jealous person, like, that is, will uh, rise up your cortisol levels, and that will cause issues in your body, like, whether it be retaining weight or whatever it may be, like, that will cause issues. Exactly. And then it, go, it all goes back to the mental health side of things, like, for you to be that jealous of a person, why? Mm-hmm. Like... What co- what in your life happened that caused you to be so insecure that you were jealous of every person you see, mm-hmm. right? And again, yeah. look back like the comparitis, whatever it might be. I do think something like that is going to be much more prevalent, like in today's society. And it's the sad reality of like what kids grow up with now, where again you're trying to compare yourself to God knows what these kids are comparing themselves, and like they want to be adults, but they're kids. It's like, yeah, fuck. If there's one thing you could just tell them, just enjoy it, like. Life as a kid was so much more fun yeah. than life as a fucking adult. But you don't you don't get that until you become an adult and you realize that you're like shit. I wish I could come back to like grade ten when it was just like fucking around with buddies and having fun. Like, yeah, you wanted to be older back then, and all of a sudden when you're older, you're like, I want to be younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you're, I remember when I was younger, I used to love being outside even in the winter time playing ice hockey. Now as soon as like negative temperature, I'm like, I don't even go outside. I just like that's you know that's the scary side of like I. I hope to god we don't have to quarantine again but like at least with the first quarantine it was sort of springtime summerish if we do have to go into a quarantine again i am genuinely worried about every fucking person in the world's mental health because like, even daylight savings tomorrow like it's gonna get fucking dark well the whole world time, world organization i believe came out recently saying they're against the lockdowns uh, but yeah. they said uh, the uh, the restrictions or the measures 
um, of the disease shouldn't be worse than the disease itself. Exactly. And one point I bring up is uh, uh, there's a reason why solitary confinement is a punishment in prison where you're isolated by yourself and with no communication. And even myself, I like to think I'm a great level head. Sometimes I, get, I turn to the halt and can break things. It happens. Um, I've been down there. Yeah. But I remember during lockdown, doing the same things. I don't really have a, like a crazy life. I like during my lockdown, things haven't changed. I still hang out with the same couple yeah. of people, so I don't have like a big circle hiring with regardless. But I just remember like kind of feeling depressed and almost cried. Like why I feel this sadness? But it's because like I was locked in solitary confinement then again if people again and I think what's not talked about again is all the mental health issues abuses the domestic violences yeah. it's all the negative side of this lockdown that people face it's not coming out because people don't talk about it no one's talking about it because we're again I think it's a real disease but it's only as bad as people thought it is and I think regardless if you interact with people there's going to be some sickness that happens is a natural thing of life. Oh, for sure. And I know that like, quarantine fucked me big time. Like, I was still doing a few like Zoom and FaceTime sessions with clients, but like as someone in my position that I've talked to people literally 12 hours a day, every fucking day, like I started going crazy because it was like, I'm so used to just the energy that, like, of working directly with people that it really started to fuck with my head. And like, I was drinking a lot during quarantine because again, it was just like a way yeah. to sort of numb myself and not deal with issues that I didn't want to deal with and I used the quarantine oh well again I'm not working right now so I might as well just drink every day a little bit vacation think it's a vacation well we came home so we were actually in Mexico my girlfriend and I were in Mexico until we came home March uh, 13th like like the day they announced the self-isolation so we came home and went right into self-isolation so it's like seven days in Mexico getting hammered every day drinking tequila (laughs) like living the dream and then coming home and like full on lockdown like I mean, I've been, I'm 30 years old now, and it's like I've never once experienced a lockdown, right? Like, you don't even, you would never guess in our lifetime that you would be locked down. Yeah. That was fucking crazy, but then same thing. It's like, well, what else am I going to do? Like, just went from drinking a week straight to, like, being home and, like, not even working. Because this was back when things first shut down. And, yeah. Like, there was that original, like, 72 hours when, like, NBA shut down, NHL shut down, and, like, everything was just, like, closure, 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 yeah. closure, closure. And it was just like, holy fuck, this is all happening fast and then yeah like you keep on doing the same shit you're doing every day and if you don't have those outlets of like whether it be therapy or exercise or whatever your form of meditation therapy may be like it starts to eat away at you yeah it really does and again that's where that whole spectrum comes into play because it's like even if you're one of the ten like talk about it why are you one of the ten yeah and there's a reason why again like a guy like russell wilson who's uh like uh, quarterback, quarterback. Yeah. he has he has a mental coach from I think Trevor Moad, amazing Moad, and he yeah again a lot. There's a reason why a lot of these ultra athletes have mental coaches or coaches on the side oh, because sure. just because they're gifted, they still need help mentally sometimes to process things. And I think the reason why people don't transition from college to professionals because of mental aspects because you have to be mature. You have to Absolutely. especially if you're say the quarterback. I'm a huge football fan. I apologize. I'm Canadian, mm-hmm. but. Or say Conor McGregor, you're 18, 17, and you're the face of a franchise, a yep. city that basically rides if you win, and we just shit on a team if we lose, right? And, and to handle all that stress and just immense, and you can crack, right? And if you have more money, and again, yeah, you can 
have so many more, more vitamins or whatever. I always joked when I was a kid, <laughs> my dad was an RCMP officer, so we never had any money issues by any means. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. We never had money issues, but we weren't well off by any means. Yeah. And I was a goalie for hockey. Cool. And I always say, like, if I if I had, like, a sports psychologist growing up, I probably could have actually gone somewhere with hockey. Yeah. My thing was I was a goalie, and I was a fucking, I told you, I had quite bad anger. Yeah. So as soon as I get scored on, it was just fucking ruined. Like, yeah. then game was ruined and again I was so bad for living the past and not just like hey you got scored on move on yeah. right like it would end up I would play worse because of it because I was dwelling on the previous goal mm-hmm. right and again I would say like as a couple of the camps I did as I got into higher levels um, I banned them in my midget years some of the summer camps I went to there was some sports psychologist mm-hmm. aspect to the camps and yeah. a lot of visualization and things like that because yeah, you have like your like you probably have some like two ice one dry land like one classroom type of stuff yeah exactly so we'd have one literally like I remember one distinctly we were at Clearview Arena and we're just laying on the like the change room floor kind of thing with our feet up the lights are off and it was just all about visualization and again visualizing what you're going to do how you're going to do like how you're going to get over things because again as a goalie especially like you let in that one goal, and especially if it's a bad goal and you can't get over that, like you're fucked. Yeah. There was multiple games throughout my career where it's, I probably could have stayed in, but you just let that one goal get to you, and then it's been five minutes, there's two more goals I've gotten three, and it's like, hey, yeah. yank them, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, and I think, I think that's crucial that um, kids who are talented could make pressure, but just get burnt out yep. one weekend. And sometimes it's because their parents uh, one friend, uh, one friend of mine, his father was a hard ass. I think he was just a very disciplined guy and expected his son, his, his son to be the same way. And was a coach for a soccer team and also yelled at him once. And then he went, I think, went for trials in England. And then he came back to the like, I'm like, what? I'm like, he's like, I'm done. And then he played on my community league so- soccer team. And he had more fun because he didn't have to worry about like just it wasn't work right yeah, it wasn't that work. Was, even for hockey for me like when I did my bad trip late year and it's like three or four practices a week plus two or three games a week it's just like you start to kind of hate it like yeah. it becomes work and as soon as it's work it's not fun 100% that was my biggest that's why I got out of playing hockey because I was like I don't even enjoy this anymore and again especially the higher levels you get to with all the politics and everything that come in it um, even like you said with the parent like the amount of like the, the parents who sort of living vicariously through their son or daughter that like they didn't make it anywhere and it's like that's not setting your kid up for failure just because you were a fucking failure like yeah. doesn't mean like take it all out of your kid and hope that they go somewhere because then what if they don't go somewhere then they're disappointed yeah, exactly like, it's their fucking life and they can do whatever they want it's not about pleasing you uh, I know this is my thing like I throughout playing sports growing up like good soccer uh, hockey just two years of football like Parent coaches are the fucking worst. Right? <laughs> parents out there listening to this, don't coach your fucking kids' sports. Like, I had multiple scenarios growing up where, again, you get, especially in the higher levels of the rep hockey, where you get these parents who have their kids on the team, and it's like, your kid should not be on that team. Yeah. You know, we all fucking know it, but because you're the coach, oh, I'm going to go pick so-and-so because they're my son, and it's like... Or the extra playing time. Yeah, it's yeah. Like they shouldn't be in the first place. Um, that's, there's one, yeah, same thing, parent coach, I played for the, I didn't play high up, I played for an empty garrison. Yeah. A hockey team, and I loved this. A bunch of military people, and coaches were hard asses because they were in the military with yeah. some of them. So, uh, but one defensive coach, up in defense, and uh, his son happened to be in defense. And I remember a couple of times, in certain, certain times where it was uh, a whistle switch, 
And I was second in line, one guy goes, and then Bucky Donnie, help me back, me on the ice, those seconds. I'm like, come on. And then same thing, I had a, me and a forward where we had good chemistry because we went to the same high school. Not during PowerPoint, I just, because I'm a big guy, like 6'1", and I, in front of the net. I just stood in front of the net during in the, in the offensive zone while he took shots and we scored, and he's like, yeah, don't do that again. I'm like, we just scored, like, whatever. I'm like, directly with that, too. Hey, give it up. Like, yeah. in the stands here, looking for your fucking bulking. And it's, there's truths that make you yeah. supposed to, if you're working hard, nice, 30, 40. And I was, I did, like, made two lengths, like, made defense, offense, and back to yeah. I was catching with them, defense, and like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just want to talk about body three for here, and... That, uh, I think before it was people who were weight, we can see we're stigmatized about hey, the social media kind of so yeah. others were positive that were and they're like that way. You know what? That maybe oh now you're reverse now. So once you're kind of like make it all, then it goes back to the whole right. If you're not mentally healthy, you likely won't be physically healthy. So yeah, say you're overweight and you are true to yourself and you're actually comfortable at that weight. All the power to you. Do I believe you that you're truly 100% happy with yourself? Not really, to be entirely honest. And like I've fluctuated before. So I guess my fitness journey, so I started training for hockey when I was 14 years old. Uh, loved it. And again, part of it was a very angry kid growing up. So working out was a fucking great release for that. So I started working out, worked out from 14 to 18. Uh, and again, play hockey, football, worked out. So I think I graduated, I was uh, 150 pounds, like quite fit. Moved out when I was 18. Me and my dad don't have the greatest relationship. So it was like, hey, I think for the better of our relationship, I'm just going to move out. And I think this will help with us, which did. However, so moved out when I was 18. Um, didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing in terms of finances, in terms of food, in terms of anything. Uh, I got in, I got an injury on my hand. Uh, four, three or four months after I moved out, and I, can't, I guess this is kind of where my story starts. I guess is because I was living my own when I was eighteen. The the hockey facility that I was working at at the time, I only worked basically like four p.m. to eight p.m. So it's like, well, what's an eighteen year old kid to do when you're only working four till eight p.m.? Yeah. So started smoking weed every day, started drinking most days. Right. Next thing you know, because like with my hand injury, I just completely stopped exercising. Totally. So it's literally just eating garbage, smoking weed, drinking with my buddies, right? Yes. Yeah. Loving life. Six months goes down the road and I put on close to 50 pounds. And I remember going for a run and just, to me, it was just like, holy fuck. Like, you've, I've never felt like such a piece of shit yeah. in my entire life. And I mean, to context that, like, I was probably maybe uh, just under 200 pounds. So and I can only. I can only imagine what it feels like to get to 250, 300, 400 pounds. Like I, I, again, yes, there's psychological issues. I just don't know how someone can let themselves get to that point. And again, that yes, there's psychological issues that go into it, yada, yada, yada. So I went for that first run and just being like, holy shit, like I, I, need, I need to fix this. And that's actually how I started getting back in the gym. So long story short, I ended up back home. Uh, I was only living on my own for about a year. So I moved back home for about three years. Uh, during that time, I was actually working at St. Albert Dodge. I started doing, I started in detail for about a year and then I was doing my mechanic apprenticeship. Okay. Um, throughout that time, so I've been training now since I was again, like kind of 19 up to 21. And basically I had three really good friends that I was, I kept working out with every single night. And it was more or less like I basically just telling them what to do. So I was pretty much just training them without actually being certified. 
And it got to the point, A, I wasn't really enjoying the mechanic partnership, and B, it was like, man, we can actually look. Bryce and Sean are getting pretty jacked. Like, I'm actually pretty good at what I'm doing here. And I was like, well, why don't you start training? So I talked with um, one of the trainers at Service Place at the time and just kind of asked him, I was like, well, how do I even start this? Like, in terms of certifications, like, what do I do? And he told me, so it's like, this, this, this throughout, this route's going to get you the fastest if you just want to start working. This was going to go to university, yada, yada, yada. So I started it. Um, crushed it out in no time and stopped my mechanic friendship. But at that point in time, I was actually training three more of my friends. So we'd literally go to service place all together at 7 p.m. every evening. And I would train with pretty much all six of them. And that's how it started. So then when I started at the box gym that I first started off, like basically it steamrolled really quickly. So within six months of being there, I, I was the head trainer. So because I had brought so much business in from essentially like pulling the business that I had kind of started with when I wasn't actually certified, that's how I got so much business so fast. And the way that it worked there was pretty much if you got in five clients, they'd give you five clients. So I went from having no clients to almost 15 clients within like, again, three months. Wow. So not many people go through that journey when it comes to working at the box gyms like that, because it is difficult to bring clients in. But because I had sort of a power base before even starting, I had a good head start. Um, so I worked out, again, I've worked out basically since I was 14. The heaviest I've ever been was 200 pounds. So at that point, anytime I've ever hit that, because it's been twice in my life, so once when I was 18, and once, funny enough, not that long ago, <laughs> um, pretty much at the end of quarantine. The COVID bond? Yeah, the COVID, I would say the COVID 15, but it's more like COVID 40. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually got up to 203 pounds, and again, maybe it's just who I am as a person, but it was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you look in a mirror, and you don't like the way that you look. Like, and again, everyone has different levels of what they can sort of put up with and not put up with their body, but I fucking hated the way I looked. And for me, the reason I don't have a lot of empathy or that might be the wrong word, but sympathy for people when they can't lose weight, it's like, do you honestly want this? Yeah. Because if you honestly want this, you'll fucking make it happen. Like, have some self-control. If you eat McDonald's three times a week, like, eat once a week. Like, make simple changes that can get you there, but you have to want it and you have to put in fucking work. Like, this goes back to the first one we talked about. It's fucking hard. Yep. But if you actually want it, prioritize it, right? Like meal prep twice a week, get your fucking lunches ready. Stop going out to buy lunch every single day. Go for that walk at night. Yep. Go do anything other than just watch Netflix for four fucking hours when you go home and sit on your phone for another two hours and then just go to sleep and do it all over again, right? Like you need to want to make the change. Um, so, sorry, I sort of spiraled out of control there. Like, this was back to the body positivity thing. And so, again, if someone is truly comfortable in their skin, all the power to them. Do I think that they're honestly that that happy and comfortable in the skin? I don't, I don't truly believe it. But, again, to each their own, right? And if you're comfortable being 250 pounds, then all the power to you. But kind of like what you said, too, there is scientific evidence that there's certain levels of you have X amount of body fat on your body, like your organs and your joints, they don't like you. No. You might quote unquote like yourself, but your body doesn't like you. Not at all. And, and I think that might be a good way to end this is, uh, you know, real, like when you start your journey, do you actually want it? Like, put, have a goal that you actually want and realize, hey, it's going to be work. It's, it's going to be hard at times. And I think also have patience with yourself, have grace, you know, realize that, hey, not every day is going to be the best. You may fluctuate. and. And again, just because you're going on this fitness journey, doesn't mean you have to give up all your, nope. your McDonald's, but 
incorporate your everyday life that's maybe once a week or maybe have it instead of five days a week or instead of getting a large fries and coke maybe get a small a small yeah, yeah. and just may keep the frequency and then maybe eventually eliminate it and uh and it's like anything too reach out for help like if you if you genuinely have no fucking clue what you're doing in the gym then ask for help like suck it up hire a personal trainer even if it's just for four or five six sessions like hire someone so you at least you have a general idea of what you're doing because truthfully it's like anything like you i'm trying to think of an example here but it's like anything like if you have no idea what you're doing you're not just going to figure it out you might figure it out but it also might take you 10 years 100 right why not just ask for help or pay for help again whether they get you on a nutrition plan or a fitness plan or whatever it may be like ask for help. There's bajillions of people out there that are willing to help you, but you have to ask for the help too. And again, it comes down to you need to want it. Exactly. And if people are looking for help for uh, their fitness training, where can people find you? So my Instagram is Fitness, and Facebook, my name is MaxLaRock. You can search me there, send me a messenger, DM. The gym that I train out of is called Free Fitness in downtown Edmonton. So we're located at 10528 123rd Street. We're just west of the brewery district. Uh, we offer one of the most unique pay-as-you-feel models, I would say, in North America. Um, so essentially, all of us came from big box gyms where it was a set price for your training. Now, whether you had two weeks of experience or 20 years of experience, you were paying the same amount of money. How we developed our pay as you feel system is we give you two weeks for free. So it works both for us and for you because we want to see if you're actually going to be accountable, if you're actually going to track your food for those first two weeks, if you're going to show up on time and you be motivated. Because truthfully, if you're not, we don't want to work with you because I can only fix so much. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about. If you don't want to do this, it's not just going to happen overnight. It's not just going to do itself. You have to want to do this. Uh, essentially, we, we prove our value in that first two weeks of training and you pay us what you feel for your following sessions after that. Awesome. Right? And again, for those who are a bit tighter on a budget, right, this allows you, yeah, you might only buy three or four things, but at least you have a general guideline of where to start from. Right? Exactly. So you do those four sessions, and then in six months you do four more sessions because your program's got stagnant or whatever it may be, and we can always go from there. And again, it is the most probably unique pay, as you pay option that you can probably have in terms of personal training or most things in general so well, it sounds good and i want to thank you for coming here max and doing this i think it was a ton of fun thank, thank you very much for having me on my first podcast ever so yeah, yeah. pretty good yeah we'll chat later thank you sounds good buddy